الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Inshallah ta'ala Today we're going to be starting The Kitab Al-Durar Al-Bahiyya Fil Masail Al-Fiqhiyya And we said that we're going to be taking The chapter of prayer Kitab Al-Salah Before the prayer Inshallah ta'ala For Salat Al-Isha I want to go through the following topics I want to inshallah ta'ala speak about um, the following points. So write them down inshallah ta'ala. Number one, ta'rifu salah. What does salah mean? What is the definition of salah? What does salah mean? The definition. The second thing that inshallah ta'ala that I will be going through is so the first is Ta'rif al-salah. What does salah mean? The second is ahmiyatu al-salah wa fadluha. The importance of the prayer and its virtue. The importance of the prayer and its virtue. Ahmiyatu al-salati wa fadluha. The importance of the prayer and the virtue of the salah. <coughs> then I want to speak about hukmu salah. What is the ruling of the prayer? Hukmu as salah. Then I want to speak about hukmu tariki salati. The ruling of the one who abandons the prayer. Hukmu tariki salati. And last but not least, the punishment of the one who abandons the prayer or who leaves the prayer. So that's what we're going to do, inshallah ta'ala, before we start the kitab, bi'idhnillahi al-kareem. Ta'rifu salati the definition of salah. Ta'rifu as-salah. The definition of as-salah. What does salah mean in the Arabic language? Filluga. In the Arabic language, what does the word salah mean? It means a dua. It means a dua. So salah means supplication in the Arabic language. What we mean in the Arabic language is before Nabiullah Muhammad came, the Arabs would use the word as-salah to mean what? Supplication, dua. Why is it called salah in our religion then? If it means dua in the Arabic language, what was the hikmah, the wisdom in taking that word and using it as the prayer that we pray right now? Al-Imam al-Nawawiyu, al-Imam al-Nawawi, the great Shafi'i scholar, he said in his Kitab al-Majmu' 
in his book Al-Majmu' second volume page 3 he said As-salatu fil-lughah ad-du'a wa-summiyat as-salat al-shar'iyyah salatan li-ishtimaliha alayh hadha huwa as-sahihu wa-bihi qala al-jumhur min ahli al-lughati wa ghayruhum min ahli al-tahqiq he said the wisdom and the reason for using this word as-salat in the shari'a is because within the salah there are so many du'as that the person makes. So he said, in the salah there are so many du'as that the people what? That the people make. So that's why it was called as-salah. What does salah mean in our religion? I mean, what, does it, what do we mean when we say salah? It means at-ta'abudu lillahi it is to worship Allah You're worshiping Allah with speech. What does salah mean in the sharia, in the religion? What does it mean? It means the following. It means It is to worship Allah by particular speech and particular actions. So it's to worship Allah بِأَقْوَالٍ وَأَفْعَالٍ مَخْصُوصَةٍ It is to worship Allah with particular speech and particular actions. Particular speech and what? Particular actions. مُفْتَتَحَةٍ بِالتَّكْبِيرِ Which starts with Allah. Salah, what does it start with? مُفْتَتَحَةٍ بِالتَّكْبِيرِ It starts with Allah Akbar. مُخْتَتَمَةٍ بِالتَّسْلِيمِ And it finishes with Assalamu alaikum. So one more time. التَّعَبُّدُ لِلَّهِ It is to worship Allah with particular speech and particular actions. Because in the salah, not every actions are you allowed to do. And not every speech are you allowed to come with, right? There are particular speech and there are particular actions that you need to do. Also, you start your prayer with what? How do we know a person prays, is praying? He says, Allahu Akbar. And how does the prayer finish? It finishes with a taslim And then that's the definition of salah in our religion. Are you with me, brothers? That's what it means in the sharia. We finish the first part, which is, what is the definition of as-salah? Has everybody, has everybody understood? Has everyone understood that? Now we're going to go into the second point that we wanted to speak about, which is, the importance and the virtues of the salah. Are we all together? How important is the prayer? And how, what is the virtue of the salah? And what is the, the virtue of the salah? Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to mention eight, eight virtues. And with the evidence, inshallah ta'ala. Number one, the salah is the second pillar after the shahadatain. After the person says, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah, as-salatu ahammu arkanil islami ba'da shahadatain. As-salatu the prayer is ahammu arkanil islami 
the most important pillar after the shahadatayn. After the person, ahammu arkani al-islami ba'da shahadatayn. And this is based on the hadith that Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim both narrated. Min hadith ibn Abbas. On the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas. The messenger said to Abdullah ibn Abbas, innaka satati qawm ahla kitab. Ibn Abbas, you're going to go to a people of the scripture. When, you, when, you, when he sent him to Yemen, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, sorry. The hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas, sorry. But the person who was sent was who? The one who was sent was Mu'ad ibn Jabal. So the Prophet said to Mu'ad, إِنَّكَ سَتَأْتِي قَوْمَ أَهْلَ كِتَابِ Mu'ad, you're going to see a people of the scripture. فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ Let the first thing you call them to be what? شَهَادَةُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Another narration where they say, فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ Let the first thing you call them to is be أَنْ يُوَحِّدُ اللَّهِ That they sing what Allah in worship. فَإِنْ هُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ If they take this from you and they obey you in this, فَأَخْبِرُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ Tell them that Allah has made it obligatory on what? Five daily prayers that they have to pray. In the morning, in the day, in the afternoon, evening, five times a day. So what was mentioned right after the shahadatayn? This is mentioned. وَلِذَلِكَ when a person says أَشَهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَشَهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ The thing that makes us know that he is truthful about that statement is the salah. Are we all together brothers? That you are truthful about that statement أَشَهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَشَهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ الرَّسُولُ When you said it, the thing that proves it, the thing that makes it real is the salah. Are we all together brothers? The second Second point for the chapter that we mentioned, which is the importance of the prayer and the virtue, is Allah commanded us subhanahu wa ta'ala to come with the prayer, to do the prayer, to establish the prayer in every single situation that we are in, whether we are travelers, whether we are residents, whether we are ill, whether we are healthy, you have to pray. There is not a situation where the person is not allowed to not, the person is not allowed to pray as long as he's conscious. Are you with me? As long as he's conscious and he's alive, he has to pray. There's no way out of it. Are we all together? ولذلك الله تبارك وتعالى he said in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 238. To 239, Allah says, حَافِظُوا عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ فَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ فَرِجَالًا أَوْ رُكْبَالًا فَإِذَا أَمِنْتُمْ فَاذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَمَا عَلَّمَكُمْ مَا لَمْ تَكُونُوا تَعْلَمُونَ So Allah says, حَافِظُوا Safeguard what? Safeguard the prayer. In another hadith, Imran ibn Hussain in another hadith Bukhari narrated this Imran ibn Hussain was sick he had an illness and he told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he's ill and he's sick then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him salli qa'iman pray standing up fa'illam tastata if you're not able the Prophet said to him faqa'idan sit down fa'illam tastata if you're not able to fa'ala jambin then pray on what? 
then pray on your then pray on your side like he's sick he said I'm ill I can't pray but you have to pray in accordance to your ability but you still have to pray so the salah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us subhanahu wa ta'ala bil muhafadati alayha to protect and, and come with the prayer in what? fi kulli halin every situation whether we are safaran wasilman waharban even in the battlefield even in the battlefield the ayah that I mentioned fa'in khiftum farijalan aw rukbana whether you are fighting and in the middle of the battlefield there's a prayer for it that they have to pray you cannot leave it number three the salah brothers was the last wasiyah was the farewell message was the farewell message that our Prophet ﷺ gave us before he passed away it was the last thing that he said Al-Salatu Wasiyatu Rasulillahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Al-Akhirata the last farewell advice advice Al-Salatu وصيه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الاخيره لامته فويز امه وذا لاست علي بن ابي طالب نريتد حديث فاوند ان سنن ابي داوود ابن ماجه احمد اذز نريتد علي بن ابي طالب he said كان اخر كلام رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the last statement of the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم was the Prophet said, Salah, 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 and that which your right hand possesses. So, what did he say? The last thing that he said was, As-Salah, prayer. Number four, this is if the third one, what does it show us? The importance of the Salah. Number four. As-salatu, the prayer, is min shari'atil anbiya'i wal mursalina. The previous prophets and the messengers, the salah was from their what? It was what? It was in their legislation. The salah was legislated for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 73, Ayah 73, Allah says, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ فِعْلَ الْخَيْرَاتِ وَإِقَامِ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِتَاءَ الزَّكَاةِ Allah tells us we sent a revelation onto these prophets. Allah mentioned ثُلَّةٌ مِنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ A group of numbers of prophets. And then Allah says وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ فِعْلَ الْخَيْرَاتِ We send a revelation on them to do good. And also to do what? وَإِقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ To establish the prayer. And that they give zakat. So the previous prophets were commanded to come with the prayer. Number five, as-salat to the prayer is din. It's the pillar of the religion. And the religion cannot stand without it. As-salat to din. The prayer is the pillar of the religion. And the religion cannot stand illa biha except with it. We've, we took the hadith in the 40 hadith of an imam and Nawawi. Tirmidhi narrated this hadith in his sunan, his jami' and al-imam al-nasai narrated it in his sunan. 
that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, رأس الإسلام رأس الأمر الإسلام وعموده الصلاة وذروة سلامه الجهاد في سبيل الله that the head is Islam the pillar is the prayer and the top layer of the camel's hump is the what الجهاد في سبيل الله to fight in the cause of Allah عز الله عز وجل so وعموده and the pillar for it is what As-salah, prayer. So salah is a what? If you hit this pillar and it collapses, what's going to happen to the roof? It's going to? It's going to collapse. Number six. Salah prevents you from evil. Salah, brothers, it stops you from evil. As-salah to the salah prevents a person from evil. If a person is good with their prayer, it will prevent them from evil. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala said in the Quran, In Surah Ankabut, Ayah 45. If you look at the Ayah, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala he said in Surah Maryam, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَةِ When did they follow their desires? When did they follow their desires? When they abandoned the prayer. When you abandon the prayer, you follow your desires. All of the doors of evil are open for you. وَلِذَلِكَ When you look at the Sahabas, how was the khamar made haram? How was the, how was the khamar made haram? The stages that it went through was at the middle stage was that it was prohibited time of the salah, right? So what would it do to the person? He, if the prayers were close to each other, he couldn't drink because he would be drunk in the prayer. So it stopped him from it. It reduced him from it. Huh? A person who knows that salah is going to come in cannot do sins because every now and then he's been reminded there's a prayer to come in. So it's one of the two if you're going to the club and the salah comes in and you keep leaving to go and pray and come back, it cannot last. One of them is going to remain. One of them is going to, is going to remain. And when the person abandons the prayer, this is when they fully submit and they follow their desires. Salah is that thing that's stopping you. What is it? It is that thing that's stopping you. Number seven. The prayer is an expiation for your shortcomings and sins. The mistakes that you do and the shortcomings that you come with and the sins that you do. What does it do? It cleanses your sins and it purifies it. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu in a hadith found in Sahih al-Bukhari al-Muslim in hadith Abi Huraira that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said Ara'aytum law anna nahram bibabi ahadikum What about do you not see if there was a a river or a lake 
in front of one of you's houses, in front of your house. When you come out, there is. And he goes in there and he cleans himself from there and he showers from there. The messenger said, Every day, five times a day. He goes into that place, he comes out again, he goes in five times a day. The Prophet said, Is there going to be any dirt on him? Five times a day, a person, imagine they shower. Is there any dirt that's left on him? The messenger, the sahabah, said, No, a message of Allah. There's no impurity that will be on him. It will be clean. We all together. فَذَلِكَ This is like مَثَلُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْخَمْسِ The five daily prayers are like that. يَمْحُ اللَّهُ بِهِنَّ الْخَطَايَا What does Allah do with it? He cleans the believer with it like that. The, the Prophet gave a powerful example for people to understand. As they say in English, a picture, a picture draws a thousand words. Huh? He gave them a picture, alayhi salam. He explained it to them so they can understand that the way that that person is clean, the prayer will clean you like that. Also, the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa he said in another hadith that Imam Muslim only narrated in Hadith Abi Hurairah, as salawatul khams, the five daily prayers, wal jum'atu ila jum'a, jum'a to another jum'a, kafaratul lima baynahunna. They are an expiation. And the reason why this narration I want to bring it to your attention is it's not an expiation to your major sins. It's an expiation to your what? The minor sins. Because this hadith says As-salawatul khams wal-jum'atu ila al-jum'a kafaratun lima baynahunna idha jtunibat al-kabair. If the person leaves what? And another riwayah says مَا لَمْ تُغْشَلْ كَبَائِرٍ As long as the person doesn't, he doesn't take on major sins. Because the major sins, what does it require? Repentance. Major sins, they require the three conditions of repentance. They have to be met. For major sins, you have to come with three. And nadam, regret of the sin that you did. That's the first condition for repentance, Right? The third one is al-iqla'u min al-dhambi. You have to get yourself away from the sin. Okay? And the third one is al-azmu alla ya'uda ilayha. That you make the decision in your heart as well that you're never going to come back to this sin ever again. Those three conditions, every sin that you do, you have to what? Every sin that you do, those are the three conditions for the repentance. That's with the condition that it's not somebody's right. If it's a human that you wronged, there's a fourth condition that is added to it. You come with these three, because every sin, whether you do it to someone or not, Allah always wants these three from you. And if you do it to someone, you have to add a fourth one is, which is التحلل من المظالم. You have to ask forgiveness. If it's, if it's something evil that you said about the person, or you did something evil to them, or if you took somebody's belongings, or you took something from them, you give it back to them. And Shaykh bin Uthaymin mentioned that if you said something about someone behind their back and you regret what you did and you feel bad and you make the decision that you're never going to do it again and you're scared that if you go to the person and you tell them that you said this about them it may cause a bad relationship between you and this person. Ibn Uthaymin said you don't have to tell them. 
But what you have to do is every place that you said this about them in, you have to replace it with good. You have to replace that place with good. And every opportunity that you get, you try to praise a person. You speak good of them. Until that, inshallah ta'ala, washes away what you've said about them. What you've, what you've said about them. So, the little minor sins that come from us, these five daily prayers, inshallah ta'ala, will cleanse it. Number five, كَثْرَةُ الصَّلَاةِ سَبَبٌ لِمُرَافَقَةِ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي الْجَنَّةِ Praying a lot, brothers, is the means, I'm a praying a lot, is a means to accompanying the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم in Jannah. To be with the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام in Jannah, praying a lot is a means. كَثْرَةُ الصَّلَاةِ سبب لمرافقة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الجنة ربيعة بن كعب الأسلمي ربيعة بن كعب الأسلمي A noble companion and the hadith can be found in Sahih Muslim He said كنت I was one أبيت مع رسول الله I, I used to stay in the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم's house I, to, I, I lived with him فأتيت بوضوء فأتيته بواضوء and I brought him وضوء meaning a, remember the difference between وضوء بضم الواوي is what? it's a فعل وضوء is the what? it's the place where the water is in I'm at the place the person is doing the وضوء from so when you read the hadith don't say بوضوء but say بوضوء another رواية says بوضوءه I brought him his wudu, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it seems like the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if he used water and something was left, they will put it somewhere for him and they will cover it. And then he would use it later. So he said, I brought him the wudu that already was there for him, alayhi salatu salam. When I brought it to him, he saw me, alayhi salatu salam, and he realized I, had, I wanted to say something. And this shows a smart person is one who doesn't need to be told everything. He's smart enough to read between the lines. If someone wants something, he doesn't push people to an extent where they have to feel that they want to say it to you. And Nabi Muhammad was very smart. So he said to the companion, he said to him, Sal, ask. Ask, what is it that you want? He said, As'aluka, I ask you. Again, the response that the companion showed you, the type of mindset that they had. And the difference between us, if we had an opportunity like that to meet a great scholar sometimes, the question that we ask. So he met the Prophet, in his, the Prophet is in front of him. And the Prophet said to him, Sal, ask, what is it that you want? And then he said, As'aluka, I ask you, Murafaqataka fil Jannah. I want to be with you in Jannah. Message of Allah, I just want to be with you in Jannah. He loves the Prophet a lot. The Prophet then said to him, Awaghayra dalik, is there anything else you want? Is that all you want? The companion says, said to him, Huwa that's all I want from you, nothing more. Then look what the Prophet said. Did he say yes? He said to him, ala nafsika sujood. Okay, help me that you come with a lot of sujood. Pray a lot. Be a person who prays a lot. And inshallah ta'ala, I will make dua for you. So, 
it's a good character to teach people that they have to come with something as well. Not to depend on others to fully do everything for them. Are we all together, brothers? But the hadith, the fa'idah that we, take, we want to take from it is what? To be with the messenger. What was it that he told to this companion? sujudi. Do a lot of sujood, meaning prayer. To pray a... To pray a lot. And then this is not specific for the companion. It's not specific for him. Anyone who wants the Prophet's murafaqata fil jannah. Anyone who wants to be with the Messenger alayhi salatu The scholars who explain the hadith, that's what they said. It's everyone who wants to be with the Messenger alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam. I just want to mention a lot of evidences that came warning against abandoning the prayer. As a finishing of this point. Warning in not leaving the prayer. From them is the people of Jannah speaking to the criminals the day of judgment. The people of Ahlul Jannah who are going to go Jannah they speak to the criminals. Or they ask about the second call of the Mufassirin is that the people of Jannah they ask about the criminals. The two views. And the first one seems stronger. They ask the criminals. They say to them, fi sakar. What brought you guys to Sakara? Why did you come to Sakara? Why are you in the hellfire in Sakara? Sakara is a hellfire, it's Jahannam. Why would somebody want to go to Jahannam? What brought you guys to Jahannam? The first thing that they say is, المصلين. The first thing, we never prayed. And then after that, they mention everything after that. We were not from those who used to pray. Another evidence that speaks about the dangers of abandoning or leaving the prayer is the ayah that I mentioned before. فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ غَيَّا Abdullah ibn Abbas, when he came to فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ غَيَّا He said what it means is that they're going to go to a what? They're going to go to the, a valley of Jahannam. A river, an ocean that's in the hellfire. This is where they're going to go to. Ibn Abbas said that. Because they follow their desires and they left the prayer. Also, Hadith Jabir, radiallahu ta'ala, anhuma. He said, Samirtu Nabiya, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I heard the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say, and an Imam Muslim narrated this. Bayna rajul between a man. Between a man and disbelief is Tarkus Salah is to leave the prayer. Between a man and leaving the prayer is what? Is leaving the prayer. Between you and disbelief is what? Leaving the prayer. Samurata ibn Jundibin. Samurat ibn Jundubin mentioned a long narration. This narration was something that the Prophet saw in the what? In his dream. This is a revelation. It's a long dream. Two angels came to the Prophet. They took him and they took him high up. And they showed him so many things. From the things that they showed him was a man whose head was being hit in with a metal rod cracked open. 
So Nabi Muhammad asked the angels, the two angels were Jibreel and Mikael. He said to them, why are these two people done? What's the problem with these people? The metal rod is hit on their head and their head cracks open. And they said, فَإِنَّهُ يَأْخُذُ الْقُرْآنَ This was a person who took the Qur'an, then he rejects it. The Qur'an is given to him. And then he lives opposite to it. Abandons the Qur'an that he learned. doesn't live by it. And the second one is, وَيَنَامُ عَنْ صَلَاةِ الْمَكْتُوبَةِ He will sleep from the obligatory prayers. He will sleep from the what? Obligatory prayers. And there's another hadith that Imam al-Dhahabi mentions in his Kitab al-Kaba'ir, Major Sins, that the people who abandon the prayer, the Day of Judgment, they will be resurrected and risen. Ma'akaruna, wahamana, wa ubay ibn khalaf. The heads of disbelief. Ru'usul kafara. Saladidu Quraysh. He will be resurrected with them the Day of Judgment. Are you with me, brothers? And the narration says he will come, he has no proof. Nothing to argue for. What's the, what can you say after you've left the prayer? He has no proof, he has no evidence, he has nothing to bring forward. And he'll be resurrected with these people. Qarunan, Hamanan. These individuals are you, you're going to be resurrected with for leaving the prayer. Now we're going to go into the second part. I mean, the third part, right? Which is leaving. What is the ruling of the prayer? What's the ruling of the salah? The five daily prayers Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr. Which prayer did I start with mentioning? With mentioning first. Which one did I mention first? I mentioned Dhuhr for a reason. Does anyone know why I started with Dhuhr first? No, not you. Ahmed. Hayye. Does anyone know why I chose to start with Dhuhr first? And the author, Muhammad ibn Ali Shawkani, is going to start with Dhuhr first. Why? Because that was the first prayer that was taught to our messenger when Jibreel came down. When Jibreel came, the first prayer that our messenger was taught was which prayer? Dhuhr. We'll see inshallah ta'ala. Are we all together brothers? And then for us, which is, what's the first prayer? Dhuhr is the first prayer. These five prayers are obligatory. And they are obligatory on what? Individual obligation. Sahfardu Ain. Meaning, it's not a communal obligation. It's an individual obligation. Every single one has to come with it. Your mom can't say to you, pray for me. I can't pray those today, I'm tired. Nah? Or your father can't say to you, you know, I can't wake up for Fajr, you pray for me. No. It's an individual, it's an individual obligation on every single Muslim. What is the evidence for that? The evidence for that is Establish the Establish the prayer. Establish, establish the prayer. In Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 72. 
And from this sunnah is the hadith of Talha ibn Ubaidillah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said, Ja'a rajulun, a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min ahli najdin. A man from the people of Najd. He came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sa'ir al-ra's yusma'u dawiyu sawtihi. There was a loud voiced man who spoke loudly head uncovered. He came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam first his voice couldn't be heard and then when he came closer it became very clear. The man asked about Islam and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told him about Islam and what, were the, what was the Prophet to, that, what he, what, from the things that he told him was as-salatul khamsa the five prayers that you have to pray every day and every night. The man said Hal ghayruha? Is there any other prayer that is upon me other than it? Is there any other prayer that I have to pray other than these five? The man said, uh, the, the Prophet, sorry, said, the man asked the Prophet, said, any prayer other than these five, are they obligatory on me? Qala la, no. The Prophet said, what? Illa an Unless you do what? This is the hadith that the scholars use to say that the tahiyyatul masjid is not wajib. When you come into the masjid and you pray tahiyyatul masjid, that it's not that's the strongest opinion that this hadith is a qareena it is the hadith that diverted that this hadith is being diverted from what? from its from its wujub the obligation in it has been diverted with this hadith and that obligation shows us what? that it's highly recommended so we gave two evidences so far that the five daily prayers are obligatory. What was the first evidence that we gave? Wa'aqimu salah. The second evidence that we gave is the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim in the hadith of Talhat ibn Ubaidillah, where the, man told, the Prophet told the man that you have to pray these five daily prayers. Are we all together? And also the ijma'. The scholars did not differ on the obligation of these prayers. All of them. And the scholars that transmitted the ijma' are number one, Ibn Hazmin. He transmitted a consent. He transmitted a he transmitted a consent. Ibn Rushdin. Ibn Rushdin in his Kitab Bidayat al Mujtahid. He transmitted a what? A ijma'. And Imam al Nawawiyu. He also transmitted an ijma'. Ibn Taymiyyah. He transmitted a ijma'. So Ibn Hazmin, he transmitted the ijma' in his muhalla. Ibn Rushdin transmitted his ijma' in his kitab Bidayat al-Mujtahid. Nawawi transmitted his ijma' in his majmu'. And Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah transmitted the ijma' in his majmu' al-Fatawa. We've now learned the ruling of the five daily prayers, right? We're now going to move on to the ruling of the one who abandons the prayer or who leaves the prayer. The one who leaves the prayer, the scholars, they break it into two. What do they break into? The one who leaves the prayer, the scholars, they break it into two. Man taraka salata jahidan liwujubiha. The one who left the prayer out of stubbornness. 
and rejecting its obligation. He's rejecting the obligation of the salah. He's saying, Dura and Asr and Maghrib and Isha and Fajr, they're not obligatory on me. I don't have to pray. It's my choice. I can do what I want. He's leaving the prayer with that mindset. He's leaving these five daily prayers with that reason. Are we all together? The scholars are unanimously in agreement that this person is a disbeliever. This is not a khilaf. It's not a khilafi issue. The people who transmitted the ijma' are three scholars. Ibn Abdul Bar, he transmitted the ijma' in his kitab al-istithkar. Ijma' Al-Imam al-Nawawi transmitted an ijma' in his majmu' and also Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah he transmitted the ijma' in his majmu' al-Fatawa so it's not a difference of opinion in that regard if a person leaves the prayer out of jahd out of hard-headedness stubbornness of its obligation that this person is a disbeliever this is not the discussion that the scholars are having this is a consensus the difference of opinion is the one who leaves the salah out of laziness he believes duhr is wajib he believes asr is wajib he believes maghrib is wajib he believes fajr is wajib he believes isha is wajib he believes all the five daily prayers are obligatory he knows he has to pray he knows what he's doing is wrong but then he's lazy and he misses the prayers he sleeps he misses them. He's doing it out of. He's doing it out of tahawunan wakasala. Out of laziness is what he's doing it for. The scholars have two opinions in this regard. So what was the second opinion? The person who leaves the prayer out of laziness. He leaves the prayer out of laziness. That one we're going to divide into two. The one who leaves the prayer out of laziness. We'll divide them into, into two. The one who leaves some of the prayers out of laziness. He prays Dhuhr. He prays Asr. And then Maghrib comes and he misses that. And then he prays Isha. And then he prays, he misses Fajr. He's missing prayers here and there. Are we all together? <clears throat> and the one who misses the prayer in totality, hasn't prayed for the last year or so. Or he hasn't prayed the last couple of weeks, and the last couple of months. And he's left it bilkulia. But he believes it's obligatory. He knows he has to pray. He knows his obligation. Are we all together? Both of those two last that I mentioned, there's a khilaf amongst the scholars in it. They differed on this issue. Are we all together, brothers? They what? They differed. The first opinion is the person is a disbeliever. Is a what? He's a disbeliever. 
And this is the view held by, or it's the view of the Madhab al-Hanabila, the Hanbali Madhab. And it's a wajhun in the Shafi'iyah, it's an opinion in the Shafi'i Madhab. Also, it's also an opinion in the Maliki Madhab. A group of the Salaf said it. A group of the Salaf said it. If you want to see who their names are, go to the Kitab al-Istidkar, or the Majmu' of Nawi, or the Majmu' al-Fatawa ibn Taymiyyah. And it's also the view of Jumhur Ahl al-Hadith, the people of Hadith. The overwhelming majority, and this is their view. Al-Hadith here means the scholars of Hadith at the time of the at the time of the Salaf. The overwhalming majority, like Ishaq ibn Rahuya, Ali ibn al-Madini and others. This was their opinion. And also this opinion was held by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, and also ibn al-Uthaymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. Which one are we talking about? The person who leaves the prayer out of laziness in totality. What was the evidence that they used? They used the ahadith that we mentioned. The ahadith that we mentioned. Hadith Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Where the Prophet said, Between the man, the Prophet said, Hadith Sahih Muslim. In the rajuli between a man shirki and between him and shirk and wal kufri disbelief is what? Tarku salati is to leave the prayer. Also the hadith of Abdullah ibn Buraida, who narrated it from his father that the Prophet said, Inna al wa The covenant between us and them is the prayer. Faman tarakaha anyone who leaves the prayer is what? فَقَدْ كَفَارَ He's a disbeliever. That is what they took. Are we all together, brothers? That's the view of who? That is the view of those scholars. Also, they took the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, Don't go against the Muslim leader until the scholars, not the Ammatul Nas, but the scholars, the people of knowledge, until they see from the leader kufran, bawah, a clear cut what? Kufr. So this hadith says, You're not allowed to go against the leader. Until the people of knowledge who can see kufr, not, not us and amatul nas, but the scholars, when they see clear cut what? When they see what? Clear cut kufr from the leader. That's when the, 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 the scholars, when they see it to be appropriate to go against him, then they would tell us the way it is. In another hadith, in another Hadith, the Prophet ﷺ told the companions, don't go against your leader until he leaves the what? Until he leaves the salah. And here he said, until he comes with what? Clear cut. Kufur. So they took from this salah, leaving it is a what? Clear cut. Kufur. It's a clear cut. 
I said we don't determine what is kufr or what isn't. It's not our job because it requires conditions to be found. It needs obstacles to be removed. And this is for the Ahlul Halli wal the people of knowledge who understand these issues. As Allah Taala He says, وَإِذَا جَاءَهُمْ أَمْرٌ مِنَ الْأَمْنِ أَوِ الْخَوْفِ أَدَاعُوا بِهِ وَلَوْ رَدُّوهُ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ وَإِلَى أُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْهُمْ These matters are not taken to the youngsters and the youths. Who is it taken back to? The senior and the elders and those of great knowledge whose beards have become what? White with knowledge. They're the ones who can see, not just with knowledge, but also with what? With their experience and their understanding. We should be very careful on placing kufr on people, right? Very careful. So we take this all back to the scholars, okay? We take all of this back to the, back to the scholars, inshallah. Ta'ala. But all I want from the hadith, I'm not speaking about the other issue, I'm speaking about that leaving the prayer is what? Kufr, bawah, clear cut kufr based on those two hadiths. Um, and they also used, these scholars, they also used the statement of Abdullah ibn Shaqiq al Uqayli. Abdullah ibn Shaqiq al Uqayli is who? He's a tabi'i. What is he? He is a he is a tabi'i. Tabi'i means what? He's a person who met the companions. Abdullah ibn Shaqiq al Uqayli said, Kana ashab Muhammad. Sorry, Kana ashabu Muhammad. Muhammad's companion, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They never used to see anything Leaving it to be kufr other than prayer Are we all together brothers? Abdullah ibn al-Shaqiq Al-Uqayli was saying That the sahabas The only thing that they saw Leaving it to be disbelief was what? Was the Was the prayer So some of the scholars They took from this That this was the ijma' of the sahabas Some of the scholars they took from this that it was what? Ijma' al-Sahaba. The other group of scholars, they came back and they responded. And by the way, this, this discussion, whether leaving the prayer is kufr or not, is a valid difference of opinion. Okay? It's a what? It's a valid difference of opinion. You can hold this opinion if you feel like it's correct. And you're also allowed to hold this opinion if you feel like it's what? It's a valid difference of opinion. Salafu hadil ummah differed on it. Shafi'i believed it was not kufr. Ahmed believed it was kufr. Are we all together? So it's a valid difference of opinion. But even though it's a valid difference of opinion, we may strengthen one opinion over the other based on how we see it. Based on how we see the evidence being put forward. The second group of scholars, they came back and they responded to these points that were brought forward. And they responded by saying... They came back by saying, the kufr that is used in this hadith are not the major kufr. It's the minor kufr. When the messenger said, الصلاح, The covenant between us and them is the salah. For whoever leaves it is a disbeliever. They came back and they said that the word disbelief that is used in this hadith is what? The minor. Because they said that the messenger sometimes would use the word kufr and he meant the what? He meant the minor, like Sibabu al-Muslim al-Fusuq wa qitaluhu kufrun. The Prophet referred to killing, the disbel- killing a Muslim as what? Disbelief. And he's killing a Muslim disbelief. But the Prophet referred to it as what? 
disbelief. So they said the salah, leaving it is like that. It's kufr, amali. Are we all together? Am I making sense here? They also responded to the claim that there is ijma' amongst the sahabas. They said, first of all, Abdullah ibn al-Shaqiq al-Uqayli is not from the senior tabi'een. Rather, he's from the sigharu tabi'een. He's a very young tabi'een. So he didn't even meet all of the tabi'een. What did he meet? He met just a few of the companions. And the few that he met, he saw them to say this. But he doesn't know whether the others hold a different opinion. Are we all together, brothers? But that which the heart seems to be close to, and the truth seems to be with, is that if a person leaves a prayer, that they are, they are in a serious situation. Whether it becomes this or whether it becomes that, why would you gamble with your religion? Why would you gamble? Why would you play around with your religion? Okay? But I just want to say one thing before I, just, I conclude, is that I mentioned a general ruling that the scholars have discussed in their books. No one is allowed to take those general rulings and stipulate, or stipulate it on individuals. I myself know many people don't pray and I've never ever classified any one of them to be what? Disbelievers. Even that though I generally believe it's disbelief to leave the prayer. Even if it's one prayer, I believe it's disbelief. But I know many people who do not become disbelievers who I know because the scholars distinguish between the general ruling and the individual ruling. Ahlul Sunnah have always distinguished between that. And the qa'idah that they gave was that not everyone who comes with disbelief is a, is a disbeliever. Okay? Not everyone who comes with disbelief is a, is a disbeliever. Does that make sense, brothers? Inshallah ta'ala, after the prayer, we'll start the book. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Qal al-musannifu rahimahullahu ta'ala, kitabu al-salat. Awalu waqti al-dhuhri al-zawal, wa akhiruhu masiru dhilli al-shay'i mithlahu siwa fay'i al-zawal, wa huwa awalu waqti al-asr, wa akhiruhu ma damati al-shamsu bayda'a naqiyya. The author, rahimahullah, he started the kitabu al-salat with the time the times of prayer. And the reason why he chose to speak about Mawaqeetu Salah, the time of the prayer, is because it's a prerequisite. It's a what? It's a prerequisite. It's a sharp. Min shuruti sihati salah. For the prayer to be correct and for the prayer to be accepted, it requires the time to enter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said in Surah An-Nisa ayah 103 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said inna salata kanat ala al-mu'minina kitaban mawquta that the prayer time I'm at the prayer the time of prayer is set on the believers the waqt and the time that you have to pray is set for the prayer Allah said it subhanahu wa ta'ala so the Salah have awqat mu'ayyana, specific times which they have to be met. You're not allowed to do two things. Number one, you're not allowed to bring it before it's time. And you're not allowed to delay it. Jibreel, he came to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
to teach him the prayer. And when Jibreel came, he taught the Prophet sallallahu the early time that the salah can be prayed and the last time, the last portion in which the prayer can be prayed. So he taught him the beginning and the ending. And then he said to him after he taught him the beginning of every prayer and the ending of every prayer, Jibreel said to the messenger, هذا وقت الأنبياء من قبلك. This is the timing of the prophets before you. والوقت فيما بين هذين الوقتين. And the prayer is between those two timings. You can't go earlier than this, and you can't delay from this. الإمام الترمذي narrated this hadith and Ahmed and Abu Dawood من حديث ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما. Ibn Rushd he brought a consent that the Muslims unanimously agree that the five daily prayers they have a time and that the timing of those five daily prayers is a prerequisite for the salah to be accepted or for the salah to be for the salah to be done and they also unanimously agree that the most virtuous of it it's the earliest when it comes in. That the virtuous of it is the beginning when it first comes in is the best time to pray. <laughs> means those who delay it just before it's about to leave. Jibreel started with the Salatul Zuhri. That is what he taught the Prophet And that is why the author started with the explanation he started with Salatul Dhuhri. Abdullah ibn Umar narrated, Abdullah ibn Umar, he narrated, he said, Waqtul Dhuhri, that the Prophet said, that the Messenger said, Waqtul Dhuhri, the time of the noon prayer, Ida zalatil shamsu, is when the sun passes the meridian. وَكَانَ ذِلُّ الرَّجُلِ كَطُولِهِ And a man's shadow is the same length as his height. وَقْتُ الظُّهْرِ The time of the noon prayer is when the sun passes the meridian. And a man وَكَانَ ذِلُّ الرَّجُلِ كَطُولِهِ And a man's shadow is the same is the same length as his height. Is the same length as his height. The timing, the second timing for Salatul Dhuhri was what? Was when the author mentioned the ending. And its shadow are equal in length. That is the what? That is the, the last part of Salatu al Dhuhri. The author mentioned, Awwal waqt al Dhuhri zawalu. The noon prayer. It, when is it? Is when the sun passes the meridian. That's the beginning. So write this down. Dhuhr starts when the sun. Passes the meridian. 
and then Duhur ends when anything when anything and its shadow are equal in length. That time which is the ending of what? Of Dhuhr is the beginning of what? It's the beginning of Asr. That's why the author said, وَهُوَ أَوَّلْ وَقْتِ الْعَصْرِ وَآخِرُهُ مَا دَامَتِ الشَّمْسُ نَقِيَّةً بَيْضًا And that's the beginning of the evening prayer, which is Asr. And Asr is as long as the sun is white and what? Qalay. مَا دَامَتِ الشَّمْسُ بَيْضًا نَقِيَّةً As long as the, white, the sun is what? The evidence for that is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As. Write this down. That the beginning of Asr is when? The hadith of Amr ibn As. That the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, وَوَقْتُ صَلَاةِ الظُّهْرِ إِذَا زَالَتِ الشَّمْسِ عَنْ بَطْنِ السَّمَاءِ مَا لَمْ تَحْضُرِ الْعَصْرَ Dhuhr, the noon prayer is when the sun declines from the zenith. This hadith says, the noon prayer is when the sun declines from the zenith. The noon prayer is when the sun declines from the zenith. And there is not a time and there is no ta- and there is not a time for the afternoon prayer. Meaning Asr hasn't come in yet. As long as Asr doesn't come in. <coughs> now. وأول وقت المغرب غروب الشمس وآخره ذهاب الشفق الأحمر. The author now mentions the salatul maghribi. Salatul maghribi is when. وصلات وأول وقت صلاة المغربي. The beginning of salatul maghribi is when. غروب الشمس when the sun. When the sun sets. وآخره and the ending of it is what. ذهاب الشفق الأحمر when the when the twilight goes, the red twilight. So the beginning of Maghrib is when? Is when the sun, when the ta- is sunset. And the ending is the disappearance of the? Which twilight? Al-Ahmar. The red. I'm going to just leave it as twilight because twilight goes automatically to red straight away when you say it. And When you unrestrictedly say it. And this is Mahalu Ijma'ah. The scholars are unanimously in agreement on this statement of the author. And the evidence shows this. The evidence is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As. And Imam Muslim narrated it. The Prophet said, وَوَقْتُ صَلَاةِ الْمَغْرِبِ The time for the Maghrib is إِذَا غَابَتِ الشَّمْسِ is when the sun disappears. مَا لَمْ يَسْقُطِ الشَّفَقُ is when the sun disappears and it lasts till the twilight is no more. It lasts till the twilight is no more. So the scholars who said that the twilight here is the white twilight are wrong. The Shuth of Muhammad Ali Shokani's statement is correct. The twilight here is the red twilight. There is white twilight and there is red. Like in the strongest evidence is the the red twilight. 
وهو أول العشاء وآخره نصف الليل. وهو أول العشاء. What does it mean? It's the beginning of عشاء. Meaning, meaning when the twilight disappears, and the twilight goes, then what, what prayer has started? Salatul Isha starts. Salatul Isha starts when the red twilight has gone. It's not there anymore. This is the beginning of what? It's the beginning of the Isha prayer. And this is based on the hadith of Buraida. It is based on the hadith of who? Buraida, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he taught a man the time of the prayer. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi he taught a man the prayer. And he commanded him, فَأَمَرَ بِالْعِشَاءِ حِينَ وَقَعَ الشَّفَقُ And the Prophet commanded him to pray Isha when the twilight, the red twilight was gone. He said, pray now. He was teaching him how to pray, what time to pray. And this hadith is sahih. Muslim narrated in his sahih min hadithi Buraida. So that's the evidence for the Shaykh's statement. As for the ending of Isha, when does Isha end? The hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As states that the Isha finishes um, as the Prophet said, وَوَقْتُ صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ The Isha exists إِلَى نِصْفِ اللَّيْلِ The middle of the night. So you divide the night in a middle. How do you divide the night into a middle? From Maghrib to Fajr. Split it in the middle. That is the middle of the night. Are we all together, brothers? When the scholars, they say middle of the night, they mean from Maghrib, Gurub al-Shams, when the sun set, until what? Ila al-Fajr al-Sadiq. Ila eh? Ila al-Fajr al-Sadiq. Ila nisf al-Layl. Until Salat al-Fajr comes in. Ha. Until? No, 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 no. I said Salat al-Isha. It finishes, I said. It starts from when? Shafaqul. Ahmar when it goes. And it exists until when? In the middle of the night. Not till Fajr. Not till Fajr. Until the middle of the night. <coughs> there are other opinions, but the evidence supports this. So after the middle of the night... Fajr Isha doesn't exist. What you stand up for is Qiyamul Layl and you pray your ibadat. Now you go into. Naam. وأول وقت الفجر إذا شق الفجر وآخره طلوع الشمس. The author now goes into the beginning of Salat al-Fajr. The beginning of Salat al-Fajr is the dawn prayer. Is when the dawn breaks. وأول وقت الفجر إذا شق الفجر. The prayer, the Salatul Fajr, the beginning of it is when the dawn breaks. إذا شق الفجر وآخره طلوع الشمس and it ends at sunrise. And it ends at what? This is ijma'. There's no difference of opinion on this issue. On what? That the beginning of Salatul Fajr is what? And they don't differ until it's Tulu'u al-Fajri. 
as Ibn al-Mundi rahimahullah mentioned, rahimahullah ta'ala. And the evidence that they use is the hadith of the Prophet in Bukhari and Muslim, in hadith Abi Huraira, that the Messenger said, Man adaraka rak'atan, anyone who catches up with one rak'ah, min as-subhi, from the salat al-subh, qabla an tatlu'a shamsu, before the sun rises, faqad adaraka as-subha, that person has caught what? That person has caught what? Subh. So what about if you come? What about if you come? Just less than a rak'ah. What is considered a rak'ah is two opinions amongst the scholars, right? The first opinion is you have to read Surah Al-Fatiha and you're not allowed to miss Surah Al-Fatiha. Based on the hadith Ubadat ibn Samit, the Messenger وسلم, he said, La There's no prayer for the person who doesn't read Fatiha. That's one opinion. So the first opinion they're saying, you have to be able to pray one rak'ah before Fajr leaves. So a person was sleeping, they missed the jama'ah, they woke up, and all that is left from the salah to finish is what? For them to pray a, for them to pray a, a rak'ah. This rak'ah, two opinions. One scholar, they said, he has to be able to read Fatiha, and he has to be able to read what? Everything. Another group of scholars, they said, no. As long as he can pray an amount that is equal to after the ruku', because that's a rak'ah. Are you with me? And that opinion we're going to speak about in great details inshallah ta'ala later. So the first hadith is man adaraka rak'atan anyone who catches up with a rak'ah min as-subh from subh qabla an tatlu'a ash-shamsu faqad adraka subha he's reached subh. So if you wake up and there's only a time left for you to do pray only one rak'ah is left then you have caught you have caught fajr. Okay you you prayed fajr at its time. The second opinion is it's the amount after ruku' because that's considered a rak'ah, right? If you reach the imam in a salah jahriyyah and he's in ruku', what are you allowed to consider that a? One rak'ah. We'll speak about that in more details inshallah ta'ala. Na'am. وَمَنْ نَامَ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِ أَوْ سَهَا عَنْهَا فَوَقْتُهَا حِينَ يَذْكُرُهَا If a person goes to sleep they go to sleep from the prayer, not deliberately, unintentionally. Or the person, he forgets the prayer. Ousaha anha, he forgets the prayer. Fawaktuha hina yadkuruha. The timing changes for that person. When does the timing of the prayer start for them? The minute they wake up. So it's like the timing was moved for them. The whole timing of the prayer gets moved for the one who's sleeping. Even though the Fajr has a timing, now that he's woken up, and he's woken up at Dhuhr time. Are you with me, brothers? The Fajr for him starts now. This is the time of the Fajr for him. Specifically him. Based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, مَن نَامَ عَنْ صَلَاةٍ Anyone who misses a prayer, or sleeps from a prayer, أو نَسِيَهَا Or he forgets it. 
فَلْيُصَلِّيَهَا Let him pray it. مَتَى ذَكَرَهَا Whenever he remembers it. Whenever he remembers, he has to pray it. The reason why the author mentioned this now is because the salah has time. And some people may think that this person now that they woke up, sorry, the salah time has finished, you don't have to pray it. That's what they would say. But this particular individual, the time was frozen. For him only, not everybody else. For him, the time is frozen. When he wakes up, that's when the time starts ticking for him. Are we all together, brothers? He needs to wake, pray it now. Or he forgets it. Whenever he remembers it, even if it's two days, if he, he prays whenever he remembers it. Okay? Muslim and Bukhari both narrated. They both narrated that hadith. Say that again. When he gets up and prays the salah, is it counted as a fajr prayer? Ha, of course. If he missed fajr and he's, it's nine, 10 o'clock now or 11 o'clock, he woke up. He does wudu and he prays. This time for him is fajr. And he's not held account for anything because it wasn't a deliberate thing. Are we all together, brothers? He didn't miss it deliberately. Or he forgot the prayer. Something took his mind and he forgot it. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam missed one Asr one time. He missed a, he missed, he missed the Asr prayer. And he, he got reminded Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, Mala Allahu quburahum wa ajwafahum nara. May Allah fill their, it was in the battle. He said, May Allah fill their graves and their stomachs with the hellfire. Shagaluna anis salatul wusta. They busied us from the salatul wusta. So he prayed it as soon as he remembered it. Alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam. So here we're, talk, here we're talking about a person who missed a prayer due to sleep. Or a person who missed it due to what? Forgetfulness. But they put every precaution to remember it. Are we all together, brothers? We're not talking about a person who went to sleep before Fajr 10 minutes. And then he missed it. Khadir Akhar. Are we all together, brothers? Huh? And the one who's been woken up, then he, he's woken up, he's reminded of the prayer. The hadith says, salati." Anyone who sleeps from the prayer. Or he forgets it. Let him pray it when he's reminded or when he remembers. So if you've been woken up, are you with me brothers? And you did wake up, then you have to pray it. You have to pray it. Now. وَمَنْ كَانَ مَعْذُورًا وَأَدْرَكَ رَكْعَةً فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ The author now, he speaks about a person who has, um, who had an excuse and was unable to pray a rak'ah, a unit of prayer. Then he has, then he has offered such a prayer with the group. A person had an excuse. A person they had an excuse. And whatever reason they, became, they came late. Before the sun rose. If they reach a rak'ah before, then inshallah they've reached that salah time. And he's basing this on the hadith Bukhari Muslim both narrated, Man min subhi Anyone who reaches one rak'ah before fajr, qabla an shams before the sun rises, فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الصُّبْحِ وَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكْعَةً مِنَ الْعَصْرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَغْرُبَ الشَّمْسِ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الْعَصْر
even one rak'ah if you meet, catch up. But the author mentioned something very important here. Is that this person, what made him come late for the prayer, there has to be a udur. There has to be an excuse. There has to be an excuse. It can't just be, oh, I couldn't be bothered. It has to be a, an excuse. Now, The author says, the timing of the prayer is what? Timing is? Timing is obligatory. And we explained at the beginning that the salah is timing are obligatory based on the ayah. إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا The salah, it's at a what? It's at a designated, restricted time by Allah Azza wa Jalla. So the person, he has to pray within those times. Naam. وَالْجَمْعُ لِعُذْرٍ جَائِزٍ The author says, وَالْجَمْعُ Prayers may be combined if there is a permissible excuse. A person is allowed to combine between two prayers. And the prayers that can be combined are four. Two on this side, which is Dhuhr and Asr. And Maghrib and Fajr cannot be combined with anything. So it's Dhuhr can be combined with Asr. And Maghrib can be combined with Isha. What does he mean by combining? It means to pray both prayers fi waqtin wahidin, one particular timing. One time you prayed. Uh, what do you mean by one timing? Mean you pray dhuhr and asr in the timing of dhuhr. You pray dhuhr and asr in the timing of... Then this is the timing. You brought asr to which time? You can do that. That's called jam'u taqdeem. Again, let me repeat that again. Combining means to combine two prayers in one time. The time here, one time, I don't mean you're praying them both at the same time. With one intention, you're praying Dora and Asr. No, I mean you're bringing Asr to the Dhuhr time. So that's one time, right? So here, does that make sense? If you do that, meaning you bring Asr to Dhuhr time, this is called what? وَهَذَا يُسَمَّى جَمْعُ تَقْدِيمٌ That is called what? It's called جَمْعُ تَقْدِيمٌ Or what you can do is, you can take Dhuhr and you push it to the time of Asr. And that is called جَمْعُ تَأْخِير And that is called جَمْعُ تَأْخِير So how many Jama' do we have? Two types of Jama' What is the first Jama' To take Dhuhr and bring it to take, sorry, Asr and bring it to the time of Dhuhr. So you pray Dhuhr and Asr in the time of Dhuhr. That's called what? That's called Jab'u Taqdeem. Or to pray Dhuhr at the time of Asr. This is called what? Jab'u Ta'khir. And the only prayers that are allowed to, that we can combine between is Dhuhr and Asr. Maghrib and that is what the author here is speaking about. This is called this jama' that we spoke about is called jam'ul haqiqi, the real jama'. It's called what? Jam'ul haqiqi. There's another jama' 
It's called Jam'u Suri. What is it called? Fuqaha call it? Jam'u As-Suri. Saad, Alif, Lam, Saad, Waw, Ra, Ya. Suri. It's not a real Jam'a. It looks like a Jam'a from the outer. What is, what is this called? Jam'u Al-Jam'u Suri. Suratuhu Jam'a. When you look at it, it looks like Jam'a. But its reality is not Jam'a. And that is, you delay Zuhur to its last time. Which Salah is going to come in? Boom, you pray them together. So you're praying the ending of Dhuhr with the beginning of Asr. And you pray it together. And the same you do with Maghrib and Isha. You push Maghrib to the ending. Are we all together, brothers? Until it's just about to finish. That time is about to finish. It will collide with what? Isha. This second one, it's not Jama. And it's not permissible to carry the hadith of combining between the prayers as the second form, which is Al-Jam'u Suri. And the ones who try to push that are the Ahnaf, the Hanafis. That is the, the Hanafis. And that is not correct. The Prophet, the one he's talking about is what? The first type, which is Jam'ul Haqiqi. And that is what the Nusus al is talking about, the textual evidence here. When are you allowed to combine? You're allowed to combine for the following reasons. Number one, al-safar if you're a traveler. <coughs> Al-marab if you're sick. And al-matar if it's raining. And evidence have come regarding that. Three, you're allowed to combine between, for the first reason is what? Al-safar, traveling. Second one is al-marab, a person is sick. Are we all together? And the third one is what? Al-Matar, rain, successive rain. The Imam says it's raining too much. Maghrib has entered, brothers. I'm not going to make you guys come out, come, out, come out from your houses again. We're going to combine Maghrib and Isha. Are we all together, brothers? So with the people, they pray the Salatul Maghrib and Isha together and they go home and they don't have to come out of their houses again. But this is based on hadith that Al-Imam Muslim um, narrated Bukhari narrated it but the wording is the wording of Al-Imam Muslim in Hadith Ibn Abbas Salla Rasulullah the messenger he led Al-Dhuhra wal-Asra jami'an he led Dhuhra and Asr in Medina fi ghayri jawfin wala safari there was no fear and there was no traveling there was none of the two Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned why he did it. Arada alla yuhrija ahadan min ummati. Arada alla yuhrija ahadan min ummati. He didn't want to make it hard on the people. So the scholars like Imam al and others, they took from this that these three times is when it becomes hard on the people. Are we all together? And he transmitted the ijma'. When you're traveling, there was evidence for that anyways. The matar, are you with me brothers? And the marad are hard for the people. Especially if the land is, it becomes very muddy and the earth, it becomes a puddle. And to walk through it, you'd have to come to the masjid. Are we all together? 
and then when you do come in, you're going to be dirty and not clean. It's better that the salah is combined. Another wording of the hadith says that the Prophet combined between Dhuhr and Asr, Maghrib and Isha in Medina without any fear and rain. So does that show you that when it was fear and when it was rain, he would what? He would shorten it, alayhi salatu wasalam. Naam. والمتيمم وناقص الصلاة أو الطهارة يصلون كغيرهم من غير تأخير. The author now goes into the things that nullify the prayer. I'm gonna reduce the prayer. One who has done تيمم والمتيمم وناقص الصلاة أو الطهارة يصلون كغيرهم من غير تأخير. One who has done تيمم and whose prayer is incomplete or purity should offer this person should offer prayer like others without delay a person has an illness that prevents him from standing up does he wait until he becomes healthy or does he pray in the way he is prays in the way he is a person who wakes up and they don't have much time to pray. The salah is going to leave. He can't wash his hands, مثلاً, and his legs. He does the wudu, and he's not going to reach the time to pray the salah because if he washes his legs and his hands, so what does he do? Then the author says he does tayammum. Even if, if he's not able to do tayammum, then he prays without tahara. Because the prayer's time leaving takes precedence. You have to pray the way you are. You just woke up. There is like a minute left for the prayer. You will not be able to do wudu or anything. The author, rahimahullah, mentions they pray the salah with the, at that time, straight away. The reason is because you woke up and the time was in. And there's no evidence for you that you are allowed to what? That you have another time. The evidence that was given to a person <laughs> from another time is the one who what? Forgot, slept. Are we all together brothers? As for you, you have to pray. But because you can't do the tahara, you're ma'adur. You are what? Ma'adur. And this is the opinion by Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. And the evidences are in support of him. Naam. وَأَوْقَاتُ الْكَرَاهَةِ بَعْدَ الْفَجْرِ حَتَّى تَرْتَفِعَ الشَّمْسِ وَعِنْدَ الزَّوَالِ وَبَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ حَتَّى تَغْرُبِ The author, rahimahullah, he talks about the disliked times to pray, rahimahullah ta'ala. And he mentions that the awqatu al-karahiyya the times that are disliked to pray, he said it excludes Makkah. Makkah is not in it. Meaning Makkah you can pray whichever time you want. He said, he said, it's, an, he said it's an exception, okay? We're not talking about Makkah. We're talking about any other place other than Makkah. The times are three. The times which are disliked for the individual to what? To pray. Number one is after the dawn till the sun rises 
after the dawn until the sun until the sun rises number two so the first one is after the dawn till the sun rises rises and the post meridian post meridian which is the zawal it's the post meridian period excluding Friday Friday is not in there Friday you can come to the and sit there and just keep praying until the what? until the khatib comes we're going to speak about that inshallah ta'ala and the third time is after the after the Asr After the Asr prayer Till sunset <coughs> And this is taken from the hadith That Imam al-Muslim narrated in his sahih Min hadith Uqbat ibn Amir Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu Where he said Thalathu sa'atin kana yanhana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam An nusalliya fihinna Three times This hadith is narrated by who? Muslim On the authority of who? Uqbah ibn Amirin Uqbah said There were three times There were three times At which Allah's messenger Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Forbade us to pray or to bury our dead he said there were three times at which Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam forbade us to pray or to bury our dead The first one is حِينَ تَطْلُعُ الشَّمْسُ بَازِغَةً حَتَّى تَرْتَفِعَ When the sun begins to rise till it fully is up. He forbade us the first time. وَحِينَ يَقُومُ قَائِمُ الظَّهِيرَةِ حَتَّى تَمِيلَ الشَّمْسُ And when the sun is at its height or midday Till it passes over the meridian. And the third is, وَحِينَ تَضَيَّفَ الشَّمْسُ حَتَّى تَغْرُبَ And when the sun draws near to setting to its set. And that's the three times that we mentioned. Those three times, it is prohibited. But there is exception that the author mentioned. What were the exceptions? Mecca. What is the ex- what is the evidence that Mecca is an exception here? The evidence for that is the hadith narrated by Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and Nasa'i and Ibn Majah on the authority of who? Jubair ibn <coughs> Jubair ibn Mut'im that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said Ya Bani Abdil Manaf the messenger said Oh the people of Abdil Manaf Man waliya minkum, whichever from amongst you takes leadership of Mecca, whichever of you are in charge of Mecca and are looking after the people, فلا يمنع أن أحدا don't stop anyone 
طَافَ بِهَذَا الْبَيْتِ Who does tawaf around the Kaaba. Don't stop them from it. وَصَلَّى And he prays سَاعَةٍ شَاءَ Whichever time he wants to pray. مِنْ لَيْلٍ أَوْ نَهَارٍ From the day or night. Don't stop him from it. This is the evidence that they used. He said that the Prophet said he can pray whichever time he wants and he's also allowed to what? He's allowed to do tawaf whenever time he or she wants. What about Jum'ah? What about Jum'ah? That we can pray as much as we want in Jum'ah. What is the evidence uh, for that? The evidence for that is Imam al-Bukhari, the hadith he narrated in hadith Salman. The hadith of Salman. That the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يغتسل رجل A man does not shower the day of Jum'ah ويتطهر and he purifies himself he places perfume on himself ويدهن من دهنه أو يمس من طيب بيته he oils himself he places perfume on himself he purifies himself <coughs> no one does this and then he goes out this individual and he doesn't divide between two people he does not divide between two people doesn't cause the division of two people no one does this and then he prays when he comes to the masjid the hadith says he prays what? <coughs> he prays what is written for him he keeps praying and then he's quiet. إذا تكلم الإمام when the Imam speaks, إلا غفر له ما بينه وبين الجمعة الأخرى. Except he's forgiven from this Jum'ah to the what? <coughs> the next Jum'ah to come. The Hadith mentioned, he prays as much as he can. He prays what? He prays as much as he can. So what does this show? This shows you are allowed to pray as much as you want on Jum'ah. When you come in Jum'ah, as early as possible, stand up, pray, sit down, stand up again, pray. Two, 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 don't stop. A hundred, carry on. Until the Imam comes. When the Imam comes in the pulpit, you can stop. Because of this hadith, this is called a mutlaq nafal. It's what? It is the voluntary prayers are how many types? The voluntary prayers are how many types, brothers? Two types. The first type is what? Nafila, which is mutlaqa, unrestricted, like this one. <coughs> this is unrestricted. You can pray as much as you want. And there is a restricted one. What's the restricted one? <coughs> the Sunan al-Rawatib. After every prayer, how much can you pray? And before the prayers, these are restricted. You can't add onto it. Are we all together, brothers? Which of those two does Tarawih fall under? You see the discussion where it went? Tarawih, which of the voluntary prayers is it? Is it the unrestricted one or you can just pray or is it restricted to 11? You put your hand up if you believe it's unrestricted and you can pray as much as you want. Ah. 
Who believes it's restricted to 11? Only 11. You can't increase from 11. Who's like, I haven't made my mind up? <laughs> yeah? Who's mudabdabina bayna dalik? La ilaha ulai wa la ilaha ulai. Who's not with these people, not with these people? That which seems apparent is that tarawih is from the nawafil mutlaqah. So you can pray as much as you want. But it's better to just restrict yourself with 11. It is what? It's better to do 11. Are we all together? But it's from those voluntary prayers which is you can pray as much as you want. Now the author, Rahimahullah, he goes into the chapter of what? Adhan means to proclaim. What does Adhan mean? It is to proclaim. Okay, write this down. What does Adhan mean? In the Arabic language, in the Arabic language, the word Adhan means al-i'lam. What does it mean? Al-i'lam, which is to proclaim, is to pronounce. That's what it means in the. That's what it means in the Arabic language. But it means what about in the Sharia? Yeah. It means at-ta'abudu lillahi. In the Sharia, it means at-ta'abudu lillahi. It is to worship Allah. Bi-dhikrin maqsusin, particular dhikr. Particular dhikr you're allowed to say. It is to worship Allah by pronouncing, by uttering particular adhkar. For what reason? The entering For what reason? For the entering of a prayer. A particular prayer entered, so you're using, you're worshipping Allah by saying particular wordings. That's the first point, inshallah ta'ala. We defined it right linguistically and technically. Write this down. Number two, point number two, regarding the adhan. Is, what's the virtue of the adhan? What is the virtues regarding the adhan? Number one, the virtues is, it is highly recommended. Al-munafasati. It is highly recommended to compete Fihi. It's highly recommended to compete with the Adhan. Meaning, no, I'm going to do the Adhan. No, 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 I'm going to do that. No, it's good. Okay, it's not the person pushing themselves forward. Al-munafasati. To compete with somebody. To do the Adhan, it's highly recommended. Why? Because there's great virtue in it. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, and sometimes you see somebody's told, do the Adhan. And he says, no, no, you do it. Are we all together, brothers? Look what the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, Bukhari and Muslim both narrated. In hadith Abi Huraira. لو يعلم الناس if the people were to know ما في النداء والصف الأول if every, anyone was to know that which is in the the adhan, the virtue that's in the adhan, if people were to really know. والصف الأول and if they were to know the virtue in the front line 
And there's no other way. You and somebody, you're fighting over the adhan. If you all knew the virtue that was in it, you would have fought one another, the Prophet saying. It would reach a point where these people are fighting so much that a qura has to be done. A lot has to be thrown. To say, look, who, okay, it came out for you. You do the adhan. If only people were to know. And then you see, subhanallah, a brother who has the front line, he looks back at you and says, do you want to go in? Of course I'm going to take it. I'm not going to say no. But he is not wise enough to give me this position. Are you with me, brothers? This position, don't give it to anyone. Are you with me, brothers? Would you give your position in Jannah that's higher to anyone? Would you, brothers? Huh? If you had a higher position in Jannah, somebody had a lower position than you in Jannah, would you say, Akhi, okay, take it. I'm asking you guys, would you do that? This, this, is a, a, this is the path to a level in Jannah. Don't give it to anyone. push them forward because they are older than you yeah I will do it in other places in other places when I'm there in the restaurant I'll give you the front row you get pussed like in this position is, it's an issue of what? <coughs> this is Jannah <laughs> you should have come early Alku Alku you had to have come early does that make sense brothers? well even if you see that spot a lit available what do you do? jump in it Hatta. quickly jump into it because there's a lot of virtue in it. The second virtue of the Adhan. <coughs> the second virtue of the Adhan is Firaru Shaytani Mil Adhan. Shaytan runs away from the Adhan. When the Adhan is done, Shaytan runs away. Abu Huraira narrated that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said, Idan salati. When the Adhan is done, Shaytanu Walahu Burat. The shaitan turns away and runs away and he passes wind. La yasma'u ta'zina. He doesn't want to hear the adhan. He doesn't want to hear the adhan. He runs away. The third benefit in the adhan is the ones who do the adhan. Al-mu'addinuna atwalun nasi anaqan yawm al-qiyamah. The ones who do the adhan have the what? Have the longest necks. The ones who do the adhan, what do they have? They have the longest necks. The scholars, they differed what is meant by longest neck. Some of the ulama, they said here, it means they have the beautifulest neck. Because having a long neck is what? It falls under beauty, right? It's considered to be a beauty. So it's a figurative speech, some of the scholars said. It means that they're going to have very beautiful necks. Why? Al-Jaza'u they were shouting remember when they were doing the adhan so look what the prophet said Imam Muslim narrated this hadith that the mu'adhinun they have the what? the scholars are disputing which one is better the imam or the mu'adhin there's a discussion amongst the fuqaha of this issue which was actually better, the one who does the adhan and the one who's? There's a khilaf and discussion. We won't go into that now. The fourth benefit in the adhan is the day of judgment. The people will testify 
to the Mu'addin, the Day of Judgment. He will have witnesses the Day of Judgment that will testify to what he did. This is based upon the hadith of Abdullah ibn uh, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Sa'a. Hadith Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Abi Sa'a. He said that Aba Sa'id al Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anu qala he said, Inni araka tuhibbu al ghanam wal badiya. Aba Sa'id al Khudri said to Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Abi Sa'a, I said to him, I see that you like the goats and you like the badia. Meaning he was a person who didn't like the city. He loved the livestock. He loved badia. And some people are like that. They don't love, they love to live in outskirts of countries, cities. They love that countryside. That's where they love to live. He said, I see you like that. And then he said to him, فَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي غَنَمِكَ أَوْ بَادِيَتِكَ when you're in your place, when you're in amongst your goats, للصلاتي, do adhan for the prayer. And raise your voice. Say it loudly for the adhan. Verily, for verily, no one hears the voice of a mu'adhin. Who hears it? Jinnun or insun, whether the jinn or the ins. No one hears it. And even the creatures that hear it they will testify for him they will testify for him Abu Sa'id when he finished it he said Samirtuhu, I heard this I heard this from the Prophet after he told him that he said this is what I heard from the I heard this from the Prophet Bukhari narrated this in his Sahih so this is powerful brothers um should we go into the issue of the virtue between the, uh, the Imam and the uh, Adhan? Which was better? Al-Mufadala to bain al-Adhani wal-Imama? Okay. The Mufadala, the virtue between the Adhan and the Imama, leading the prayer. The Adhan is better than the Imama. This view is held by who? And this is the strongest opinion. This is the Shafi'i Madhab. Wal-Hanabila. And the Hanbali Madhab. And it's a view by the what? Ahnaf. And it's a speech of the Maliki. Maliki. And it's a choice taken by Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Uthaymin. By the way, when I say this view is the strongest, sometimes I'm taking that because of my personal research. I will together, brothers. And some of these Masail, some, some, not all of them, some of these Masail, the difference of opinion are valid. And we wouldn't force people to all take the same view as, uh, view as us. Some issues, some issues. But those issues which don't accept difference of opinion, I will mention them, inshallah ta'ala. That we all have to be together on. But these issues like which one is better or, and etc. There's a khilaf amongst the ulama and ahlul ilm. What evidence did the, the scholars who said that the adhan is better than the imama? What evidence did they use? They used the statement of Allah, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا Who's better than speech? The one who calls to Allah. The Mu'adim is calling to Allah. His speech is the best. He's the best. They use their evidence. Would any of you have ever thought of this ayah as a delil? And you probably came across this ayah. You probably even know the verse. Probably a lot of you use this verse. It just shows you the people of knowledge. They don't read the Quran the way we read the Quran. Are we all together brothers? Um, 
So what they're trying to take out of the hadith ayah, because remember we brought the ayah, how did they extract the ruling from this ayah? We, we need to know what dalala. We need to know the what dalala. How did they extract the ruling from the evidence? The way that they extracted from it is this ayah is istifham. It's an istifham, it's an interrogation. Allah is questioning. He is saying, Waman who? It's a question. The man here is what? Istifham. This is a negation, it's an interrogation. Allah is questioning. Even though it's a question, it's lil inkar. Allah is negating. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is what? He is negating this issue. And what is he saying? وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا So what does it mean? لَا أَحَدَ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا No one is better in speech than who? مِنْ مَنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ The one who calls to Allah. وَهُمُ الْمُؤَذِّنُونَ And this is the مُؤَذِّنُونَ based on whose tafsir? Based on the tafsir of Imam Al-Qurtubi. Abu Abdullah Al-Qurtubi, that's what he mentions in his tafsir. From the sunnah, from the sunnah, the evidence that show the adhan is better is the ones that we mentioned, right? And they said, لَمْ يَرِدْ مِثْلُهَا فِي فَضْلِ الْإِمَامَةِ The imama hasn't had any of those virtues like that. The virtues that were mentioned for the imama, none of it was given, the ones that are given to the uh, Mu'addin is greater. All of the creations are going to testify for him the day of judgment. Nothing or even anything close to that was mentioned for the Imam. Are we all together? So in terms of that, it seems that the Adhan is better. And in the eyes of the people, which one do they, see, do they consider better? The Imam. Are we all together? The people, which ones do they consider so you have to realize a principle here which is the scaling of the people and the weighing of the people is different to the one of Allah That's a principle you need to know. The people have their own scale in the way they scale things and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala scales things in a different way. Are we all together brothers? Also, why was the adhan made? Why was it legislated? What's the hikmah? What's the wisdom behind the adhan? What was the hikmah behind legislating the adhan? Number one. The first reason why it was legislated it was because it was to make apparent the symbols of Islam. Are we all together, brothers? When you come to a place and the adhan just goes off, bam, Islam. It's the symbol of Islam is apparent, alhamdulillah. Are we all together? Tawheed is being said loudly. The symbol of Islam is zahir. The second benefit is people may not remember the time of the prayer coming in. So the wisdom behind legislating it is what? Al-I'lamu bidukhuli waqti salah To give and proclaim and to pronounce that the time has come in. People are busy with their dunya. So this is a what? This is a way to remind the people. The third benefit is Al-I'lamu bimakani salah Some people will say, okay, I had the, the salah came in, I know what it but where are they praying? But when you hear the adhan, what do you do? Sometimes you, you're quiet, you're like, it's coming from that direction, okay. Sahih, you do that, right? So you drive towards the place where the adhan is coming from. So again, 
That's the benefit that it has. Also, the benefit that it has is that this land is a land of Islam. This is the distinguishing thing between a land that is not Muslim and a land that is Muslim. The land which the Adhan is done is a land considered to be Islam. This is called Daril Islam. Are we all together, brothers? Well, the Prophet before he waged war on the land, what would he do? If he, before he waged a war on the land, what would he do? He would listen if they had Adhan coming from them. If they did Adhan, that was the land of Islam. Are we all together, brothers? What is the ruling of the Adhan? Is it obligatory? Is it recommended? What is the ruling? The Adhan is the strongest opinion. First of all, it's the difference of opinion. And the obligation, inshallah ta'ala, is Fardu Kifai. Fardu Kifaya. It's a communal obligation. It's a communal obligation. It's a communal obligation. This is the Madhab al Hanabila. This is the Hanbali Madhab. And this is the view held by the Malikis. And some of the Shafi'iyah hold this opinion. And it's also the call of Dawood al Zahiri. Dawood al Zahiri, he holds that opinion. And also, Muhammad ibn Hassan al Shaybani from the Hanafi Madhab. It is an opinion chosen by Ibn Abdul Barr, Ibn Taymiyyah, Abu Walid al Baji. Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz, Muhammad Nasiruddin al Albaniya, Muhammad ibn Salih al Uthaymin. And this is the fatwa given by a legend al Daimah. This is the fatwa they gave. Some scholars they transmitted a what? Some scholars they say there's an ijma' in this issue, but there isn't. What's the evidence? That it's a. Uh, that it's a. Fardu kifai. Fardu kifai means it's a communal obligation. We know the difference between fardu kifaya and fardu ayn, right? Fardu ayn is an individual obligation. Everybody has to do it. No, it doesn't. That muaddin that did the adhan today, he did it for us on behalf of everyone. Sah? Okay. Even then, the scholars differ when they say fardu kifaya. Does that mean that that city, everybody has to do when they pray? Yes, that's true. So if you if uh, people pray at home, for example, and it happens that they pray at home, do they have to do the adhan? Or was the adhan that was made in the city enough? That, that seems apparent. The adhan that was done by the masjid, that was heard, is what? It removes the obligation, inshallah ta'ala. Malik ibn radiallahu ta'ala, but I said two things. It's made in the city that you're in, and it's, it's heard. If it's not heard, then you're in an, are you with me? If it can't be heard in your whole place, no adhan can be heard, then you would have to do the adhan. This is based on the hadith of Malik ibn al-Huayris, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala lahum, that the Prophet said, وَإِذَا حَضَرَتِ الصَّلَاةُ فَلْيُؤَذِّلْ لَكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ وَلْيَأُمَّكُمْ أَكْبَرُكُمْ What did the Prophet say? When the salah comes in, what did he say? Let one of you do the adhan. So not everybody has to do the adhan. And what did he say? Waliya ummakum akbarukum. Let the seniorest one amongst you, the oldest one amongst you lead. So the Prophet sufficed himself with what? Only one. 
Um, what about the adhan? If you are a traveller and you are travelling, it's recommended when you're a traveller to do the adhan and the qama for the prayer, whether you're alone or whether you're praying in a jama'ah. And this is the ittifaq, the agreement of the four madhabs. Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, and Imam Ahmed. All four of them agree that it's recommended for the traveller to do the adhan and the iqamah, whether he's alone or whether he's with a jama'ah, is recommended. And this is the view of the overwhelming majority of scholars. Some scholars even transmitted Ijma' like Ibn Abdul Bar in his Kitab at Tamheed and he's also in his Kitab at Istitkar he, he transmitted the Ijma' but there's no Ijma' he did transmit a Ijma' so we have the understanding of the ruling of and uh, a good understanding about the Adhan Naam Yushra'u li ahli kulli baladin an yattakhidu mu'addin aw akthar the author says it is legislated for everybody of a city to take a what? <coughs> to take their mu'adhin and to choose a mu'adhin. This is based upon what? The hadith of Uthman ibn, Uthman ibn Abi al-As. Imam Abi Dawood and Tirmidhi narrated this. That the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? واتخذ مؤذنا لا لا يأخذ على أذانه أجراء Take a what? Take a Take a مؤذن Which type of مؤذن? لا يأخذ على أذانه أجراء He doesn't take no reward Meaning he doesn't get paid for it Take one who doesn't want no money for it So this is a مسألة that the scholar spoke about Is it permissible? Is it permissible? to charge for adhan just like they spoke about the issue of is it permissible to charge to teach Quran these are masail it requires ex- more detailed explanation we'll leave it for a, we'll leave it for another time naam yunadi bi alfaz al-adhan al-mashru'ah inda dukhul al-waqt al-salah the weddings that are used in the Adhan have to be the wordings that were sanctioned by the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. So the person, what does he do? The individual, he does the Adhan in the way that it was what? The way that it was legislated. And also the Iqama is the same. And that is hey, Anybody knows how to do the Adhan? Hey, what's the f- how do you do it? By the way, this is uh, the Adhan has many ways that has come And because it's Ibadah which is it has ikhtilaf The wordings are different It is good to sometimes change it around huh? It's good to Unless there is a problem greater that may come from it in the community, then just stick to one. It's like those ibadat when it comes to what? For example, how you open your salah, the dhikr that you do, 
when you say Allahu Akbar, the dua that you make, the Prophet, many have come from him. It's good to change it. And these are one of the things that Ibn Raja mentions. It will strengthen your khushur. If you always follow a particular pattern and you never change, it can all, yeah, the khushur might not be there. The same is with the tashahud. Many different ways it has come. To trying to change the different forms that have come from the Prophet alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam. So changing your ways sometimes and praying in a different permitted way, what does it benefit you? It gives you back that khushurt, khushurt that you, that you need. As for the women, like in women, when it comes to the adhan, there was nothing mentioned for the women. Are we all together? Whether they are praying alone or whether they are praying in a jama'ah, the messenger never commanded the women. In their houses, he didn't mention anything to them, alayhi salatu, alayhi salatu wasalam. So the obligation of it being done in the masajid suffices the women. There's nothing that is needed from them. Naam. وَيُشْرَعُ لِكُلِّ سَامِعٍ لِلْأَذَانِ أَنْ يُتَابِعَ الْمُؤَذِّنِ If the mu'addin does the adhan, what is legislated for the listener? That he says what the mu'addin is saying. That's based on the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِذَا سَمِعْتُمُ النِّدَاءِ If you hear the adhan, فَقُولُوا مِثْلَ مَا يَقُولُوا مَا يَقُولُوا الْمُؤَذِّنُ Say what he's saying. Say that which he's saying. And the only thing that is accepted, the exception is the hadith Umar ibn al-Khattab, which is when he says, حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ حَيَّ عَلَى الْفَلَاحِ What do you say? The person says, لَا حَوْلَةِ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ Anything other than that, you what? You say exactly how the messenger, sorry, how the muadvin says it. نعم. ثُمَّ تُشْرَعُ الْإِقَامَةُ عَلَى الصِّبَةِ الْوَارِدَةِ Before I go into that, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he taught us, when the adhan has been done, if a person says, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh, radiyatu billahi rabban, wa bil Islami dinan," the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ghufira lahu dhambu." His sins are forgiven. A person who says when they hear the adhan, they say, "Allahumma rabba hadhi al-da'wati tamma, wa salat al-qaima, aati Muhammadan al-wasila wa al-fadila." وَبْعَثْهُ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا الَّذِي وَعَدْتَهُ The Prophet Sallallahu he said حَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ شَفَاعَةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That person will receive my intercession the day of judgment. These are things, brothers and sisters, that many people take very lightly. These things are very, they're taken very lightly, but wallahi they save big problems people are suffering from. These small things that you could do. You just heard the adhan to just say that. You are going to miss out the intercession, the day of judgment because you didn't say that. It's an opportunity that you're going to miss. You are not going to be forgiven for the sins that you've done because of something very easy that you could have said. And sometimes a person will come and they will feel, you know, possession in their family, for example. Ayn in the family, evil eye, problems in their, in, in their household. People will tell you big things, but when you look at 
because they have been missing and abandoning so many things that they were told to do. They came into the house with the phone in their, in their ear. They just came in. No dhikr was done when they went into the house. Then the food was served. They ate with two hands. No bismillah, no nothing. The shaitan, the minute you came in, he walked in with you. When the food was served, he's eating with you. Then you jumped into bed, laughing, texting, whatsapping, instagramming. And then you slept. He got a nice sleep with you as well. This shaitan, when he becomes strong and powerful, who's he going to use the energy against? You let him sleep in your house. You fed him. You gave him shelter. You gave him everything. Who's he going to exert that energy against? Then you come and you say, I can't wake up for the salah. I'm very lazy. My iman is very low. Of course it's low. It's not rocket science. It's, of course it's low. Are we all together, brothers? Of course it's, it's low. Because you're not doing these simple things that you're instructed to do. Easy things. A lot of you here are coming to the class. What are you doing? You're coming to the class. You're driving, you're in the car and you're thinking, why don't you just do tasbih here? Subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanallah al-azim. La ilaha illallah wa hadaw la sharika la. Lawul mulkul. It's not hard. It's very easy. You can be saying that when you're coming and you can be saying that when you're going. You're, you're walking inside the masjid. You're not going to do the dua when you're coming into the masjid. You're going, these are very easy things. They're not hard. And do you know what it does for you, brothers? It saves you. Wallahi, it saves you. It's a hirz, it's a fortress that's protecting you with the permission of Allah Azza wa Jalla. These small things, when you leave them, you're opening a window for shaitan to come in. What are you doing? You're opening a window for him to come in. Walidalika, when this is just do your dhikr, sit down and just do your dhikr. You pray Salatul Fajr before you go work. Is it hard? Billahi alaikum by Allah. Is it very hard when you go home today? You probably go home at what? 9, 10 o'clock? Go home. Sleep straight away. Just before Asha, wake up. Uh, so Fajr, wake up. Pray. Qiyam. Fajr comes, go to the masjid. Sit, be in the front row. In the front row. Pray the salah in the jama'ah with the takbiratul ihram, with the imam. As soon as it finishes, Alhamdulillah, now it's the salah comes in at 6 o'clock. It's prayed or 6 something is prayed. 6.02, 6.03 is prayed. The sun is out by 7 o'clock. 7, the sun is out. Just sit in that position if you can. If you don't have work. Just sit there. Don't move. Just do your dhikr. Just sit there. The sun comes out. Pray your two rak'ah. Do what you want all day. Your day starts with yuquwatul iman. Internally you're strong. Your mind is focused. Nothing is that hard, Billahi alaykum. Something very small. But because you've left that, your marriage is corrupted. You're having problems with your marriage. You're having your children are not listening to you and they're disobeying you and you have problems. You have maybe a spouse or a partner that's got evil eye or ain or magic or something had happened or all these things that I keep hearing from people for consultation. We can solve it by just doing these small things which are very, 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 very powerful. Allah. They are very powerful. The author then says, ثُمَّ عَلَى الصِّفَةِ الْوَارِدَةِ The Adhan, um, the Iqama is legislated 
and it's sanctioned in accordance to the mentioned way. Al-Bukhari and Muslim both narrated in their Sahih in Hadith Anas ibn Malik, the Hadith of who? The Hadith of Anas ibn Malik, that he said, Umira Bilal, Bilal was commanded, and Yashfa al-Adana, he was commanded to do even in the Adhan. وَيُوتِرَ الْإِقَامَةِ And he was commanded to do the, in the Iqama what? Odd. It's one meaning. وَيُوتِرَ الْإِقَامَةِ إِلَّا إِقَامَةِ So he does what? He makes it odd. And then last point, what does he say? Salatul الْفَجْرِ قَدْ قَامَتِ He makes that one at the ending. For the Iqama, sorry. Naam. The author now is going to go into the He's going to now go into Shurut al-Salah What does Shart mean in the Arabic language? What does the word What does the word Shart mean? Shart means Al-Alama Shart is It's a sign, Alama Istilahan, what does it mean technically? What does the word Shart mean technically? Let me test the students today who remembers Sharat? Which Hukum Shari what did it fall under? I'll make it easy. Is it was it Ahkam Taklifiya or was it Ahkam Wadriya? Sharat. Was it Ahkam Wadriya or Ahkam Taklifiya? Yeah? Not you. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, how many were Wadriya? Five. Can you say all five? You got one already, which is sharat, yeah? The Ahkam al-Taklif, we said it's five, right? We did it in Warakat. We did it in Warakat, yeah? So the first was sharat. Hayya al-Sihha. And batil or fasid, yeah? We got three, yeah? We got two more left. Yeah? Huh? Kalam. Mani'a. You said mani'a? Abdusamitid mani, ayyeh, jameel. Huh? What is it that's missing? Huh? Sabab, jazakallah khairan. Those are the five. Sharq, sabab, mani, siha, and mutlaan, ama fasid. Those five ahkam al-wadu'iyah and al-ahkam al-taklifi, we said there were five. Al-ijab, wal-najb, wal-tahreem, wal-ibaha, Right? Those were the what? Ahkam at taklifiya Five and five. Are you with me, brothers? Mm-hmm. Every science is connected. What does shart mean technically? What does it mean technically? It means ma yalzamu min adami al-adam wa la yalzamu min wujudihi wujud. It means its absence doesn't necessitate the absence of the of the thing. I'll explain that. <coughs> I'm sorry. Ma ya, sorry, oh, sorry. Ma, that which necessitates its absence, the absence of the thing. But its presence doesn't necessitate the presence of the thing. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means wudu is a what? Is a shart, right? If wudu 
is absent, is the salah absent as well? Yeah, it's absent. Your salah is nothing. It's not like it's not, it's not there. Are you with me? Without the wudu, there's no prayer. Okay? But what about if I have wudu? Does that mean I have prayer? No, not necessarily. I have to pray first, right? So a prayer without wudu is no prayer. But not the presence of the... The presence of the wudu doesn't necessarily mean the presence of the salah because the salah has other conditions, right? The time has to come in. What's the difference between a shart and a rukun? Put your hand up. I want people to put their hand up. What's the difference between a shart and a rukun? First of all, we need three things we need to distinguish from one, one from the other. What's wajib? Wajib is what? Obligatory, right? Okay, what's the difference between wajib and shart? Wajib you have to? Beautiful. The difference between... But is shart wajib? Okay, pay attention. We want to distinguish between wajib and shart. Is shart... Is it wajib? Shart is a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. It's a condition. It's a what? Shart is a condition. But is it obligatory? Is shart obligatory? Yes. So what's the difference? The brother answered it. The difference between it is shart is wajib wa ziyada. It's obligatory and extra. It's not just obligatory. It's an obligatory and extra. Which is what? Is that you have to bring back what you were missing. Are you with me, brothers? You have to bring back what? What was? What was missing? To bring it back. So if you pray the prayer without wudu, you have to bring back that prayer. Are we all together, brothers? Am I making sense here? So, shart is... Wajib and extra. When we say wajib, it means what? If you leave it deliberately, you're sinning. Just like if you left a wajib, you are? You're sinning. But it's extra because it requires to be brought back. Am I making sense here? No? Yes? Okay, beautiful. What's the difference between that and rukun now? We now, we now know the difference between wajib and what? Shart. Now we want to know the difference between Shart and Rukun. Rukun is a pillar. Are So Shart, Jamil, is outside the action. And Rukun is what? Inside. Inside. So for example, can you give me an example of a Shart? So standing is a pillar, right? Okay. And Wudu is what? Shart. Are we all together, brothers? Are we, no? Yes? Huh? Uh, but can you break your wudu in the middle of the prayer? You just said that the shart is outside the action. But you still want the shart to still be present inside the action. What happened? I fulfilled it and I did it. 
as you requested for me and then when I went into the prayer I passed wind what do I do here but is it called a shart now or is it shart was a you said to me it's something outside the action and here is it's what it's inside the action yeah huh oh so when it came inside it became a rukun Oh, so now the, the, the definition of a shart is not outside the action, it's also inside the action. So as much as it's needed outside, it's also needed inside. So why can't you say it's both? So it's what? Are you guys confused? Yeah? I want you guys to research this, okay? Homework. <laughs> what I want you to guys to research, research, look, look. Do you guys first of all understand the question? The brothers, they said that the shart is what? It's a prerequisite. They were good. They said shart is outside and the rukun is what? What is it that the shart and the rukun both share? Both of them, if you miss it, you have to bring it back. Both of them are the same in that. So they are wajib with ziyadah. Both of them are wajib and the difference between the two is what? Rukun said, I'm going to be inside the ibadah. The only difference is that this is inside the ibadah and this is what? Outside. Are we all together? The strongest way of breaking the apart is Rukun is anything that starts outside. Its requirement is outside the action and uh, shart. And the rukun is what? So look what I said. It starts, it initiates outside the action. It doesn't matter if it's inside it, no problem. But when did it start? It started outside. And the rukun, where does it start from? Inside the action. That's the difference. But don't say the rukun, the shart, and people say that a lot. They say that the shart is outside the action. Are we all together, brothers? And the rukun is what? Inside. Am I making sense here? No, it's not. The shart, the difference is, is anything that starts before the action. Are we all together? And the rukun is what? It starts with the action. That's the research that you all just had to do. Okay? I felt sorry for you, as I told you. You know, I felt sorry for the brothers. Okay. So now we're going to go into... The shuroot of the salah, here the prerequisites. Three things the person has to clean, shart, condition. Three shart you have to come with. What is it? You have to clean three things. What is it? The thobe. You have to clean your thobe. Your thobe. Your thobe is what? Your garment. The person needs to purify the clothes. The second one is? body the third one is the place of the prayer you have to clean it what's the evidence for each one before all of this you have to know you have to purify what first your heart from kufr and disbelief you have to cleanse your heart you have to what's the evidence for this how many views do we always mention for this ayah? Three views came regarding 
For the word with yabaka, what book did we mention this in? Where did we mention it? No, no, it's Yeah? Yeah, the young ones are, mashallah, they're remembering it. Yeah? It's what? Ta'zimu and ilm. We mentioned it there. That the clothing, what was the second view? The heart. So, what tiyabaka means, qalbaka, your heart. It also means what? Tiyabaka also means your garment, libas. And it also means what? Amalaka. Imru Qais, what did he say? Meaning he loved a woman and he's mentioning her. So he's saying, get rid of. Get, take me out of your heart. So the Arabs use the word thiyab as to mean the what? The heart. And they also use it as the garment. And they also use it as the person's actions. Here, which one are we taking? The clothing. So it means all three of them together. It means all three together. And the other evidence to show that the clothing needs to be purified is what? The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ taking off his two shoes in the middle of the prayer. And in Jibreel, he said, Hadith Abi Sa'id al-Khudri, is Ahmed and Abu Dawood narrated. That the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? Inna Jibreel atani fa'akhbarani anna ma qadiran. Jibreel came to me and he told me, in my shoes is what? Filth. The word qadiran, it means ada, harm. So he saw the Sahabas take it all off. When they, he took it off, they all took it off in the prayer. They're watching him. They do exactly what he does. Sallallahu alayhi wa So the, the Prophet said, why did you guys take it off? They said, we saw you do it. Are we all together? And he said, I took it off because Jibreel told me under my shoe there was a impurity. What, is, what about the evidence of cleaning? Cleaning yourselves. Then the evidence for that is many a hadith. One hadith is the hadith of the two people which the Prophet ﷺ went by their graves. He said, Inna malayu adhabani wa adhabani fi kabirin. This man, he never used to clean from himself urine. Okay? Also, the evidence is regarding the istinja, the istijmar, the ghusl. All of those evidence are for the body. Yeah? Yeah, every time you can pray with it. Praying with the shoes is a sunnah that's been left. The only, the only place I ever heard of that literally they wear shoes in the salah and they come with it was um, Yemen, the Maj. They used to do that. Sheikh Mughbil students. They used to come into the masjid with their shoes on. And the carpet of the masjid, they used to pray inside it. And Sheikh Mughbil used to pray with it. Sunnah is more beloved to us than a carpet. Some people are saying uh, the sand. No. It can be, technology can evolve if it wants to. But I'm not saying bring shoes into the masjid, okay? <laughs> I am not saying that. Because the greater harm is greater. But if a masjid says to you, you're allowed to, if you want to, and they don't give you a problem, revive that sunnah. Are we all together? And if you get the opportunity to pray with the shoes, like Salatul Eid, it's in the open. Try to pray with the shoes. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what Sallu ala ni'alikum. Khalifu al-Yahuda wal-Nasara. Oppose the Christians and the Jews. Wa sallu ala ni'alikum. And pray with what? Pray with your shoes. But make sure that your shoes are clean. Also the cleanliness of the 
The cleanliness of the place. What's the evidence for that? Does anyone know the evidence to show that the place has to be clean? Who can bring an evidence? Who can amaze me today? Huh? And I all, 90% of you guys know this hadith. Mm. Allahu Akbar. The Bedouin man who urinated in there? Who thought of that hadith? Be honest. Put your hand up if you didn't think of that hadith. It didn't come to your mind. Honesty is the best policy. Put your hand up. Don't be shy. If the hadith didn't come as a virtual istilal, put your hand up. Put your hand up if you knew the hadith. If you've heard of the hadith of the Bedouin man who came and urinated in the Prophet's masjid. If you've heard of that hadith, put your hand up. So the overwhelming majority of you have heard of that hadith. This Bedouin man, what did he do? He came and he what? He urinated in the masjid. When he urinated, as he was urinating, the Prophet saw him. The Prophet grabbed the companions. They were going to go and drag him out of the masjid. He stopped them. He let him finish. Let him finish. Bedouin man. The scholars like Abdul Ghani, Abdul Wahid al-Maqdisi and Abdul Abbas al-Qurtubi, they took a fiqh from this, which is two reasons why the Prophet didn't. Look at the understanding of situations. First, it will harm him if he has to stop his urine fast. It could cause something to his bladder. Number two, if he gets stopped, he might run around the masjid and <laughs> urinate in more places. It's a mafsidah. So it's better to keep all of his mafsidah in one place. Are you with me, brothers? That wasn't the Prophet allowing a man just to urinate in the masjid and just waiting for him to finish. No. It was because he was looking at the greater good. The man finished. The Prophet commanded a what? A dalwun to be brought and to be washed. When he got washed, the man saw what took place, that he was going to get beaten by and things were going to happen to him. So he looked at the Prophet and said, Oh Allah, forgive me and the Prophet. This is only no one else. Oh Allah, take me and the Prophet only to Jannah. Then the Prophet told him, some of the scholars they extracted from this, like Ibn Jawzi and others, that the reason why this Bedouin man urinated in the masjid is because the Prophet's masjid wasn't, wasn't a built place. That he could distinguish between urinating behind a tree or inside the masjid. And this is something that shocks you. The place that governed the world was a place that wasn't built. And that wasn't the Prophet's concern, whether his masjid stood nicely and the building was nice and the lightings were good and this and that. He produced the greatest men in a place like that. What does that show you? That the land does not purify you. The culture and the background that you're from doesn't honor you. What is it that honors you? Your deeds and your actions and your belief. That's what honors you. So those three we gave evidence for. The clothing, we gave the evidence for it. The body, we gave the evidence for it. And the place that you have to purify, we also gave evidence for it. So you're not allowed to pray salah without tahara. Based on the hadith of the Prophet Allah doesn't accept it. If you are impure, your salah is not accepted. So it's a condition. The awra, what is it? The awra in the Arabic language is taken min al And what does awr mean? It means naqs wal Deficiency. That's what awra. You're deficient when you're not wearing clothes. 
You're deficient. That's what it means. And some of the scholars, they say the reason why it's awrah, it's, it comes from that word and they use that word, is what is becoming apparent is that which shouldn't have become apparent. So it's a deficiency. In the sharia, what does awrah mean? It means anything that the sharia told you to cover is awrah. Are you with me, brothers? So the awrah, does it, does it differ from places to places? Hmm? And land to land. I mean, yeah, I mean, when I say this, I mean by different people may not see this uh, a person's, a woman's hair, they may not see it as awrah. Like in, in the sharia, is that awrah? It's an awrah. And then what we call awrah is ma yutalibu shara satru. Whatever the sharia requests from you to cover is awrah. Whether it is, whether, whether it is in that country or not, whether that culture consider it or not, this is awrah. Does that make sense now? And of course the scholars, don't, they don't believe the aura of the person is not all the same, right? Are we all together, brothers? Like for example, a uh, aura, those even who believe that the woman's face is an aura, okay, they don't believe that the woman's private part and her face is the same aura. They don't believe that. Are we all together, brothers? Even though they put it under the same category of aura, they believe that it's what? One is aura mughallada. Are you with me, brothers? It's severe. And the face is what? Not of that level, la shak. But it's an aura. It's an aura. Um, the aura for the people in Islam is two types. I just mentioned mughallada and mukhaffafa. That's another categorization. I mean, the aura is divided into two. Other than the one I mentioned, which is fi salati wa kharij salati in the salah and outside the salah. Something might be an aura outside and may not be an aura here. And something may not be an aura outside and becomes an aura here. In the sharia. Are we all together? For example, the aura of the man, generally speaking, according to the jumhur al-ulama, is what? Between the knees to the navels. This is the aura, right? Generally speaking. That's what the scholars say. Are we all together, brothers? When the salah comes, is that the aura? What is it that's needed? Something has to be on the shoulders. Something has to be on your shoulders. So something that wasn't an aura now becomes a aura in the salah. Another another point is another another point is the woman's face. <coughs> is it an aura? According to some scholars, outside. Okay, but what about inside the prayer? Are you with me? Does that make sense, brothers? What about in the tawaf? Okay. لا تلبس القفازين لا تنتقبن ولا تلبس القفازين أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام. When the woman is doing tawaf and she's in, what did she do? He said, even those who believe it's wajib are now saying it's not. Then the aura can change. The aura can what? The aura can change from outside the prayer and inside the prayer. Does that make sense, brothers? Okay. Remember that. The question here is, is the thighs aura? The thighs, are they aura? There's two hadiths. 
First of all, the hadith that says ma surrati wa awrah, That hadith number one is not, it is not sahih Abdullah ibn Ja'far narrated it Al-Tabarani narrated in his Mu'jam al-Awsat It's not sahih, it's weak Okay But we have another hadith which says Another narration which is authentic That says um, Al-Fakhid awrah The thighs are what? Awrah Hadith Jarhat Hadith Jarhat How do you reconcile between that And the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Or the hadith of Anas ibn Malik Where he said Hasar al-Nabiyu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Fakhidi The Prophet he pulled up his garment so, so far Until, until he, his thighs could be seen Anas he said it's like I'm looking at The whiteness of the Prophet's eyes How do you reconcile between that? Bukhari did it Bukhari said Hadith of Anas right now Which the Prophet's thighs No, the Hadith of Anas that the Prophet showed his thighs jarhadin he brought them together. He said, Hadith Anasin Asnadu. In terms of hadith, in terms of authenticity, in terms of chain, the hadith of Anas is more stronger. Sanadan, chain wise, Bukhari said this one's stronger, which is the Prophet showed his size. But the hadith of Jarhad is the safest of the two. Are we all together? So it's better to take the safest of those two. Are we all together? He mentioned this in the chapter of Babu Mayud Karu Fil Fakhidi, that which is mentioned regarding the Fakhid. Um, the question here is Is the aura a condition for the prayer? Yeah? If we say that the aura is a condition for the prayer, then where do we take the hadith Imam al-Bukhari narrated in his Sahih? That a young boy, he led the people in salah. Hadith is hadith Amr ibn As, Amr ibn Salama, he led his people and he was a young boy. But he knew the Quran very well. And he was wearing a cloth. A little boy was wearing a cloth. But when he done sujood, his bottom can be seen. Little kid. And a woman, because the women and men used to pray behind each other. There was no veil between the two. One of the women, she said, from behind after the salah was finished, um, she said, anna, Cover from us. Aura taqari'ukum. The aura of the qari, the reciter. Fashtaru lahu kamisan. Buy for him a kamis. By the Imam, a kamis. So if the aura is a shart, why would the Sahabas watch this young boy lead and nullify the prayer like that? And has there ever come any evidences from the Prophet ﷺ that the aura has to be covered in the salah other than the fact those narrations that mention that something has to be on the person's shoulders? Is there any other narration that has ever come says that the person should cover their aura? Is there actually an evidence? It's a mas'ala to look into, right? Yeah? 
It's a mas'ala. It's a mas'ala to look into. But the person should cover their awrah. Naam. ولا يشتمل الصماء ولا يسدل ولا يسبل ولا يكفت ولا يصلي في ثوب حرير ولا ثوب شهرة ولا مقصوب The author mentions here things that the person should not do Okay, things that the person he should not do The first one is ولا يشتمل الصماء Not to wear a sleeveless garment Okay? That's the first. The second one is Wala Yasdilu. Not to dangle. We're gonna t- talk about each one. Wala Yusbilu. Wala Yusbilu means not allowing the garment drop under the ankles. Not to do have isbal meaning not to be musbil. La yusbilu means not allowing the garment to jump, drop under the ankles. Wala yakfitu not to fold or gather the garment. Some people when they pray the salah, they actually the, the cloth is like this. You're not allowed to pray like this in the salah. You're not allowed to do this when they're in the salah. We'll bring evidence for each one, like that. Yeah. And even the legs. Some people, they fold their jeans from the up. What do they do? They fold their jeans from their legs. And they pray like that. It's not permissible. If you feel that your garment is below the ankles, number one, go to a tailor. Number two, if you didn't go to the tailor yet, take the trousers or, uh, and tuck it into your socks. Okay, Put it into your... Or take an elastic band and connect it to it. Take an elastic band. Does that make sense? You're not allowed to? Which one is the safest of the three options? Go to the tailor. Not to pray wearing a silk garment. Not to pray in a garment of beauty to show off. We're going to speak about that inshallah ta'ala Not to pray in a garment of beauty to show off And not to pray in a stolen garment A stolen garment A garment that you stole I'm going to give the evidence for each one now The first one Bukhari and Muslim both narrated The first one was what? Not to wear a sleeveless garment What do we mean by sleeveless garment? It means a person They take a cloth and they twy And the arms can't come out Does it make sense? They wrap themselves And there's no sleeves can come out Meaning no hands can come out Does that make sense? That's called The Prophet He prohibited are we all together, brothers? So it means sleeveless garment. <laughs> Do I have to translate English as well? Okay, I'll explain English. It means that there's no room for the hands. The person, they took a cloth and they wrapped, 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 wrapped around himself to the bottom. And sometimes, some people do. They take a big shawl. Are you with me? And they wrap themselves and wrap. 
and the arms, the hands don't come out. And the hands are under the shell. Now that's impermissible. The Prophet prohibited that. So a lot of things you're going to learn, brothers, when you study fiqh. That people do, that there are ahkam regarding it. Are you with me? Number two is as-sadlu. The second one is as-sadlu. And as-sadlu was what? Sadlu means it's a trailing garment. It's a, a garment that's dragging. It's long. The garment that started either from your head are we all together brothers? It goes down to the ground. Or the one that was on your shoulders goes what? It touches the floor. This is prohibited. And this is based on the hadith that Imam Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and others narrated. And this hadith is it's weak. It's actually weak. Um, so, this one, the hadith that Shokani is using, if you look at his sharah, is that he's trying to use the hadith of Abu Huraira. And the hadith is weak. So does that mean the hukum, the, the, the mas'ala is weak? The hukum, if the delil is weak, then the issue is, is standing on this evidence, right? No, no, you're still not allowed to do sadr. Based on the what? Ispal. Are you in brothers? The ispal that we're going to speak about, your garment being below your ankle, it falls under that one. Which is the third one. Ispal means what? It's the garment being below your ankles. The Prophet ﷺ, he told us, مَا أَسْفَلَ مِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ مِنَ الْإِزَارِ فَفِي النَّارِ Any garment that's below the... So, pay attention. When it comes to the men's garment, there is a way that he should wear his garment, and which is recommended, and there's the obligatory, which he has to do. That which is recommended is that from your knee to your ankle, half of it is the best. Are we all together, brothers? Based on the hadith of Prophet ﷺ, the garment of the believer is what? Half the shin. Are we all together, brothers? Huh? Does that make sense? This encompasses the thawb and it also encompasses the izar, the izar that you wear from the bottom. And it encompasses the trousers, all of it. That it's what? The best, the best is to what? It's half the shin. A lot of people today, they look, when they see somebody's thawb is a bit high. And there are some people who are higher than half the shin. It's like next to their knees. That's not right. And there are those who like it to be lower than half the shin. That's allowed. You can have it low, as long as it's what? It's above the ankles. That's obligatory. Above the ankles is what? Obligatory. Sheikh Bakr ibn Abdullah Abu Zayd, he brought a mas'ala, he said, he spoke about the hadith that says that the izarul mu'min is nisus He said, I don't accept that. Are we all together? The reason why he said it is because he said it doesn't encompass the thawb. He's not talking about the thawb. He's only talking about the izar. Izar is what you wear from the... If, you have a waist, if you're wearing something from the waist, 
and he said half a shin صح. like in this thobe he said it's not because the hadith says izar al-mu'min and not the and not the thobe there's a response to that but we're not going to go into that right now it encompasses both it's the strongest opinion it encompasses everything okay there's another response but I'll leave it for another time so what did I say half the shin is a sunnah but it has to be above the even if it's a little bit upon above the ankle. Above the ankle. Are we all together, brothers? Even if it's a little bit. It has to be above the ankles. I would say, if you're in a country where it could cause you a bit of issues, some countries, they, they don't like it. It causes you a lot of problems. If you wear it, what? If you wear it half the, half the shin. Some scholars believe it could fall under libas al-shuhra, which we're going to speak about later. You're in a country where people do wear their garments above the ankles. Like for example, if you go to Saudi Arabia, you will not see the kibar of Ahlul Ilm wear their garments or half the shin. And we all together, Sheikh Fawzan, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abbad, all of the ulama Saudi, they don't wear it about, they don't wear half a shin. What do they do? Just above the ankles. Where do they wear it? But Sheikh Al-Bani, when he came to Medina, half the shin. Sheikh Nasser, when he came to Medina, he was teaching at the Jami'ah. Those years he used to teach, his one was what? Nisr-Saq. And he used to say, well, the only time that the custom and the urf is observed is there when there is no religious restriction. But if there's a religious restriction, he used to say, I'm going to follow the sunnah of the Prophet. But it's good if you're in places like that, Maybe not to have it too, you know, half the shin. Maybe kind of fitted. Don't, don't be a sore, sore thumb. Don't be a... Don't be a... Sore thumb. Because there's another prohibition on libas al-shuhra. There's another hadith on what? Libas al-shuhra. Libas al-shuhra means a person who wears a clothing distinct from everybody else. He just sticks out from everybody else. And there are conditions that are mentioned that we will mention, inshallah. We will mention, inshallah ta'ala. <laughs> I'll stop here inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect from me, Shaytan and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illallah astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.